0: This week's episode covers a full recap of the 2023 World Baseball Classic. We also make our over or under picks for team records in the AL and NL West divisions. And who do you have as the best position player and pitcher of our generation? Listen to our debate on that topic coming up right now. Hello listeners, my name is Alex Jonitz and I am joined as always by my co-host, Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd. He was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is the Two
1: Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, episode number 92. Alex and I are coming to you live it is Thursday night March 16th Alex we are in the thick of things the middle of spring training and also the middle of this jam-packed exciting world baseball classic I tell you it's been a fun week to watch and see some of the top players of the world um, showcase their talents and, and and give everything they've got so let's kick off with the world baseball classic news I know we haven't really covered too too much we haven't been uh uh, we, we we have been slacking a little bit, you know, over the last couple of weeks or so. But, uh, you know, let's get right into the thick of things with the World Baseball Classic. Um, we've already seen all four pools play all four of their baseball games. Now we're on to the quarterfinals. And also for some teams, they're on to the semifinals. We'll cover some of that uh, before, you know, of course, the finals and all those stuff and all those important games kick off. But let's start with the World Baseball Classic. Alex, uh, I'll let you kind of round out basically the big review of what's been happening so far
0: yeah and there's a you know a good handful of headlines we can start with um just being from america travis i think it's fair to start with team usa obviously if you've been following they are uh able to advance out of pool play into the bracket phase which is obviously great news if you're supporting uh team america but i would say that overall the team america was able to get out of pool up uh, the pool phase just based on sheer talent. I didn't feel like they played particularly well across the board, but they just had too much talent to lose some of those games. Um, especially the other night, Travis against Colombia. I felt like, you know, not to discredit some of the other players, but I think there were some Colombian players who, uh, are just people who I didn't know. Right. And I think that is, uh, kind of indicative of, you know, the lack of MLB talent, perhaps. So, um,
1: yeah, Gio Rochella is the only guy I know, and he's an angel. He's yeah, playing third was, base, making some good plays. But
0: It, it was Gio Rochella, I think like Harold Ramirez, and uh, their catcher Alfaro. But it's like it's yes. like just a small handful of names. I think Oscar Mercado. But yep. after that, you're getting to guys who, you know, I think if we haven't heard of them, they probably— A lot of minor um, league talent. Right. And, yep. then, and then, obviously, Team USA is just full of all-stars. So um, USA was able to just do just enough to, you know, get that win. Mike Trout obviously contributed— in a huge way, offensively, I think he drove in uh, the first three runs uh, for Team USA. I think they only had three runs, right? I think all three runs, yep. All yep. <laughs> three
1: RBIs, so that is... Ca- F- Captain America carried them to the next round, basically.
0: And uh, with that, Travis, um, they're scheduled to play, is it tomorrow or this weekend? It
1: is going to be Saturday. Saturday night, 4 o'clock Pacific, 7 o'clock Eastern.
0: Against Puerto Rico, right?
1: Uh, uh Venezuela. Venezuela. Yeah, Venezuela. Right. So that that'll be... It'll be an action-packed—I uh, mean, talk about the star power. You have, you know, Salvador Perez, who was the MVP of his pool, but you have Ronald Acuna Jr.
0: I think um, they were, like, the sneakiest team so far. They actually yeah. looked very, very well-rounded.
1: We had them in our top five we did. for our rankings. So th- we, we, we knew the talent was there. We knew that they have strong—they they had some strong pitchers. They had a very strong offense. Um, and so it, it's, it's very— uh, um, it's expected to see them in the quarterfinal round so I, I, again i'm excited to see kind of these top stars of the latin american country of venezuela battling it against the united states who i mean i'll say to alex it, it was a, a very average if not i mean not not a poor performance but um, a little bit of a disappointment when you look at the talent we have and um, yes we went three and one we did lose that game to mexico which was kind of a Uh, it just was not good from the start and And
0: maybe they needed that wake up in the pool play rather than the, uh,
1: the bracket play. Yes. Yes. And, and and I think the first game too. great Britain, I think trace Thompson hit the lead off home run and it was like one, nothing until like the fourth inning. And we were just kind of thinking like, man, like we're, we're just really not kicking it into gear yet. I know that jitters are a big thing probably when you wear that uniform and you're playing in front of a packed crowd instead of, uh, you know. 5000 spring training fans that make the way down on a Tuesday night, you know, or a Tuesday day game and, and you're just kind of almost looking at mental reps and getting your pitching uh, timing and everything down but um it definitely was a surprise in the beginning. We, we, we beat great Britain. Um, and and we actually did pretty well in the end, I will say, but, um, I feel like we could have done a lot better. We played Mexico, came out, um, a little bit cold. Um, it showed throughout the whole entire game and Mexico was able to get the victory. Uh, but after that loss, it really, really, uh, in those bats. I think they scored nine runs, Alex, in like the first inning or the first two innings. I I think actually, I think it was like I think it was like eleven or twelve runs in the first two innings. It, it was just an insane outburst of runs um, to really get things going. And then, of course, we ended up mercing the uh, the Canadian national team, which was, of course, a good sign to see. And that, of course, led on to beating uh, the Columbia national team last night. If we're recording Thursday. If you guys are hearing this Friday, um, but we beat them three to two. Uh, again, going off what you said, Mike Trout, all three RBIs going to him. He was. Uh, the main superstar to get them to the next round and how how poetic how how fitting it is that captain america the guy that is leading this charge the first guy we knew about this team gets him on to the second round of the quarterfinals so uh very nice to see right then and there
0: yeah i i agree and uh i think that we were kind of talking about the you know i wouldn't say poor performances but i would say you know maybe a little bit less than expected um in terms of just we, we, it didn't feel like we coasted our way through the pool play let's put it that way yeah or i feel like maybe japan might have you know like i yes. mean their pool may have been a it bit it was a
1: mercy almost every game
0: <laughs> it may have been a touch easier of a pool i'm not sure but it, they definitely just felt like they never had to sweat where usa definitely had to sweat sometimes um which is okay um and maybe it helps them in the bracket play to kind of feel like a bit more um tried and tested but yeah i think that the biggest weakness travis we can kind of all agree on for team usa is the starting pitching is just not exactly um at the same level as the rest of the team i would say there's some really talented bullpen arms um there obviously is so much talent uh defensively and offensively but the starting pitching i mean uh, i'll just say that some of the guys are you know i wouldn't say you know so i think nick martinez he's a uh, he's in the Padres bullpen, if I'm not mistaken, right? But he mm-hmm. he was given the start against Mexico, I believe, and I don't really understand why you would give probably your least trusted starter. I would say uh, probably the hardest matchup. You know, it just yes. I didn't really understand that decision, and um, I kind of had a lot of criticism for the Team USA coach, but I will I will go ahead and just say this um, instead. Apparently. The MLB teams are giving lots of restrictions in terms of how to utilize their pitchers only on certain days, only uh, in certain amounts of time. So, like, if you pitch him for an inning and then he goes to the dugout, you can't bring him back out. Like, their MLB teams are requesting that they use their guys a certain way, and because of that, you know— Um, I can't put all the blame on the coaching staff because maybe they were kind of backed into a situation where they had no other choice, right? So I'm not going to sit here and act like all their decisions were poor, but um, there definitely were some things that I was questioning. Um, But, you know, there are some pitchers, like Lance Lynn did very solid um, as expected, I think. Um, Merrill Kelly, you know, I was a little concerned early, but he kind of straightened things out. Um, And, yeah, I think overall – I think if if Team USA does fall short, I think it will feel like uh if a few more top caliber pitchers were able to stay in, like even like even Kershaw and Logan Webb who committed and then ended up having to back out probably because of their teams request, um even if even if those uh pitchers were to stay in, like I think that would have bolstered the rotation so much more and you know Team Japan Travis, I'll just put it this way. If Team USA faces Team Japan, it'll be in the finals. And so there's a very good, you know, once you're in the finals, your rotation doesn't really matter. It just matters who's on the mound for that game. So maybe Team USA could have an edge. But rotation as a whole, it just feels like Japan's is so much deeper. Mm -hmm. I mean, Otani um, was pitching lights out. Darvish is a legitimate all-star year in and year out um darvish might be the number one if he came over to team america you know which that,
1: oh he, he absolutely would yeah
0: and, and then there's there's a couple of pitchers from japan um who i think well i think i think they have kodai senga who's now in the mets but they definitely have um rookie sasaki who threw like a perfect game in the japanese league last year and they have some other side you know, whatever the Cy Young version is in uh Japan that they have the pitcher who won that last year. So they're just um it really feels like they have their the Japan has like their four or five best starting pitchers all on their team. And uh, because of that, uh I think that they're a really strong contender to actually just kind of win this whole thing. But we'll see um how they hold up down the stretch. They did just beat Italy um in the early hours of the morning today. Otani had a great start. I saw some stats, Travis. He hit 102 miles an hour on the fastball which is – I think it's the faster than any pitch he's pitched in MLB. Oh, wow. And then he also hit a ball 115 miles an hour off the bat exit below. So – and that was all like after like three innings. He'd just, done both those just, things. So
1: It's it's almost – Mo- it's just a, a standard normal thing for him now, which I yeah. mean five years ago we were looking at that as just being absurd. But
0: yeah. just, just Just more craziness from him. Yep. But um, Travis, I guess looking at kind of other teams and other storylines of the tournament so far – Dominican Republic, Travis, we both had them as, in our opinion... Number one. The number one best roster going into this whole thing. They do not advance past group stages. I will say, both teams they lost to, it felt like we're very talented teams. And they just had kind of the unfortunate situation of being in a tough group, you know? Is that an excuse? No, you know. I think that we look at their lineup, pitching, and the bats, and I think that they totally... Uh, were more than capable of you know sweeping their pool if, if things went right for them and things did not go right for them. They just didn't get that much run production as they wanted and some of their pitchers didn't do as well as they wanted. I will say this. There's a version of that team on paper um, that looks a lot more, uh, I think, deadly than what we actually saw. Obviously, we know Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had a, a minor injury in spring training, had to opt out. Subs in, Jaimer uh, Candelario um to play first base. And I think that's definitely like, you know, a pretty substantial demotion, but that's just one player. But for me, the other thing was their uh starting pitching. Um when we first were looking at it, like there was Luis Castillo opted in, Freddie Peralta opted in, there were like three or four guys who opted in that were all like all-star MLB pitchers. And they all kind of slowly started dropping out. And I, I think it's mostly just because their team's request um, and Travis I think the Dominican Republic is one of the other few teams that had a similar issue as USA because so many of those players are on MLB teams pretty much they're all on MLB teams yep. right and so a lot of MLB teams are just really protective about who they want to let go start games in an exhibition tournament which that that's a whole other discussion that we're going to get into in a little bit but how much do these games matter to the players and to MLB teams obviously the MLB teams are focused on winning uh, in the You know, 2023 MLB season, so they don't want to risk any injuries or anything in this tournament. But the players want to be here and take a lot of pride in this tournament. And I'm sure Dominican Republic really feels like they miss an opportunity to um, to advance there. But what were your thoughts seeing uh, Venezuela and Puerto Rico? overcome and beat the dominican republic making the dominican republic not advance in this tournament
1: yeah it was disappointing because again we we both had dominican republic number one but of course that's on paper uh you got to go out there and play the game it was interesting because um you know one thing watching you, you learn about the rules i think almost every single world baseball classic they always change something with the rules or they change something with how the group stages go or just Um, or how the brackets all go. So one thing that was interesting was that I think it was like 65 pitches was the total amount you can pitch for, um, every pitcher. So basically, you know, um, a lot of the starting pitchers would only go two or three innings, depending on how many, um, how many pitches they threw. And Alex, we both know when you're in the playoffs, which this is the atmosphere you're in, or you're in the world series, um, you see a lot of starting pitchers only go three or four innings because they only want to face the or the the, uh, the lineup one time around, or the pitch count just gets so high. They have eighty pitches in the fourth inning that the manager says, "I'm not going to throw you out or you know keep you out there when you're at a hundred and you know ten pitches and you're you're barely throwing anything on the uh, on the fastball." And these hitters are just able to hit the ball uh, hard and very very far um so that was one thing I noticed that you you see the talent on the Dominican Republic pitchers I think Sandy Alcantara started the first game um did kind of decent and then um was able to exit the game and then the bullpen for Dominican Republic came in and um I think that's when really Venezuela kind of took over so that's one thing that caught my eye you know when we were looking at these rosters I didn't really take that too much into account but you kind of got to and then um you just look at some of the performers, um, on, you know, Dominican Republic, you know, maybe a, a, a key double play that someone grounded into at a certain moment, um, that really affected them or hurt them, um, or strike out or just a key hit by their opponents. You know, I think mm-hmm. Venezuela had some very nice, um, uh, moments in their game against Dominican Republic. And then also Puerto Rico. It was funny, Alex, I was watching that first game. That was the one game I really circled Venezuela, Puerto Rico's last Saturday, um, right before the USA, Great Britain game. And, um. I believe it was Martin Perez who started for Venezuela and um, I think Julio was leading off and Julio I think got on by either a walk or a hit and then Juan Soto doubled to the gap and it just seemed like Oh my god they're already rolling dominican republic is just gonna roll through this tournament like they're facing martin perez who we may not be incredibly incredibly high on but he is an all-star pitcher pitched very well last year at the texas rangers but we just see two high-level all-stars i mean guys that are almost on a hall of fame track in juan soto and Julio rodriguez just take over in the first two at bats um but that that was kind of it for that inning and then venezuela kind of took over for the rest of the game um the, the final score is escaping my head but it just seemed like venezuela after that first inning kind of took control of the rest of the game um i think sandy alcantara was a little bit settling down and then we had um, you know and, and then you know venezuela kind of took over in the later stages of the game and then of course eventually won the game um and then of course a, a couple days ago when puerto rico played venezuela i mean we looked at Puerto Rico's lineup and their roster. It, it was it was decent, but I, th- I think their middle infield was like Baez and Lindor. And, you know, we're not high on Baez. Baez didn't really improve. You know, he didn't really prove at all to be a great, great... Uh, player this world baseball classic I think their corner infielders were guys that are either in the minors or guys that just don't really play that much anymore so Puerto Rico also just had a team that was just kind of very questionable um you know you got Christian Arroyo behind the plate you have Kike Hernandez in center good players but just not like these elite type of players Dominican Republic has but they had very key hits I think Kike had a insane two hop chop over Machado's head at third and that scored like two runs and he got a double and then you had Christian Arroyo who hit a home run um, in his first at bat and got Puerto Rico on the board you know just things like that that happen in baseball you really just cannot predict Um, one reason why this sport is just so great is because moments like this I guarantee Dominican Republic for all betting favorites was going in um, you know, top of the leaderboard. But Puerto Rico was able to edge out the win and make it on to the next round. So um, uh, you, you can't really say much, but it's fun when you look at a team on paper and you just say, man, this team is so dominant. They are the betting favorites. Dominican Republic was the, bet- the betting favorite by far. They can't even get out of the pool stages just because their their pool, I will say, was very difficult. I mean, Puerto Rico, Venezuela, those are some tough teams. Israel proved to be a very nice team as well to uh, to play. So um, I think they gave, um, uh, I think it was Nicaragua some trouble as well when they played in their game. So um, it, it was a very difficult pool stage that uh, Dominican Republic had to play in. But the consequence is, you know, you just don't get those important wins against you. Of course, your um, big rivals, Puerto Rico and Venezuela, um, you're going to find yourself ending this uh, this trip shortly. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, then again, also kudos to Puerto Rico and to uh, Venezuela for, you know, getting that job done when we all, we all were looking at this pool and we said, okay, DR's in, um, who's it going to be? Puerto Rico, Venezuela, you know, who, who's going to be moving on? And, and both teams managed to get the job done against the DR. So uh, again, an, an outstanding pool. I, I think I really enjoyed watching this pool the most because you just yep. saw the, the most elite MLB talent. Even though USA was fun, Mexico had some good performers, Canada had some good performers, um, but you just see this pool and you're like, wow. I mean, I mean, the amount of all stars. Um, I almost wish you could take like an all pool C team and all pool D team and just make it into one and then you can just have all these different pools, battle it out. I mean the pool. I think it was Pool D. They were in Dominican Republic and all these other Latin teams. I mean, it would just be insane. I mean, the the, the depth on this team would just be um, it would be un, unspeakable. But yeah, I, it's just the way that baseball goes. I mean, we talk about the playoffs all the time every October, and we 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 see certain teams on paper. We think, man, this team's good enough, but they just don't show up. And and certain teams that take advantage of that, and within a couple of days, they're they're eliminated. So, uh,
0: the, your your whole point about you know things being on paper not ending up happening the way we expect it, and that's just the nature of the game of baseball when it comes to small sample size yes. right small sample size we're talking about these teams played four games in the pool stage going two for two in a four game span and, and in, in, <laughs> yeah. in, in the mlb season it means nothing right it's like maybe we're a great team maybe we're a really bad team Two for two, there's no way to know, right? We just we played one series really, but in the World Baseball Classic, it is life or death. It is I am advancing into the top eight or I am out completely. Or how many are in the? There's four pools, yeah, it's eight, right? Quarterfinals are eight,
1: yeah, elite eight.
0: <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's either straight to top eight or straight to we're going home. And so Dominican Republic, unfortunately for them, going home. Uh, I, I do think that, you know, like you said, there were just these key moments of bad luck for the Dominican Republic, like the chopper over Machado's head. It just kind of very situational hits. The ball didn't bounce uh, their way. Also, there was that—
1: Exit Velo was not strong that inning.
0: Not, and, and, and then and then Lindor hit a home run on a ball that was pretty much a blooper to center field. Julio Rodriguez misjudged it. It eats him up into the park home run, you know. It just—that's yep. the kind of— Randomness. Pl- so. That's the kind of play where, you know, Julio— gets that on the hop what 99 98 percent of that time yeah. you know he's a gold glove center fielder type uh, of talent and just misreads the ball in a really big moment they were already losing at that point so but if that game was like tied when that happened that would have been just like the ultimate just like a punch to the gut but yeah i think dominican republic um were really fun on paper unfortunately you know two for two is not good enough to get out of the group stage against their opponents. But I'm glad you gave credit to Puerto Rico and to Venezuela. Both those teams are very talented. Both I think have a chance to shine in the rest of the bracket. I think both those teams are capable of, you know, making a finals here if they just get on the right kind of run with, you know, seeing how their pitchers line up and stuff. But Travis, probably a good time to kind of quickly cover the unfortunate news regarding uh Puerto Rico's closer, Edwin Diaz, right? He um unfortunately I'm not sure if I actually heard what the injury was. I think, I think he it was p-
1: patellar tendon. Taurus tor- patellar tendon yeah, is actually so what I think I heard. So. ACL, right?
0: I don't know if it's the same. Okay. Is it? But it's it's definitely in the knee. and it's yeah. most likely going to be out for the season. It just sparked all this online conversation, Travis. And of and for those that don't know, um, he got this he got the he closed out the game. They start celebrating, and then he goes down. So it wasn't like an injury that happened while pitching. It was strictly Post game jumping around and, and celebrating yeah. with his teammates, which just um makes it that much more kind of uh, harder to you know kind of accept as you know did this really happen to this really special uh, pitcher, best closer in baseball last year um for both of us our pick for best closer coming into twenty twenty three. Um, it's it stinks. It really it really sucks um, for Mets fans, for uh, Puerto Rico fans, for him and his family. His brother is on the team with with them Puerto Rico in the bullpen. He was crying. It was just like such a brutal moment, you know. Yeah. But um, I guess what I will say is it did kind of start this whole online conversation, Travis. And I don't want to get too deep into it because everything has kind of already been said by everybody. But the whole conversation was about like you know some certain Mets fans definitely are really upset about the way that, you know, in their mind, their franchise bullpen piece um, is going to miss the whole season because of an exhibition tournament. That's how they frame it in their mind. But um, I guess my only thing is I want to kind of double down and say, um, this tournament does matter to a lot of these countries, right? In USA, we're so focused on the MLB because we have the MLB to kind of um, focus on every single season. But, you know, some of these countries – this is what this is. It's not that they can watch MLB and they have their own leagues and stuff, but this is a really big deal to them because they want to kind of show the rest of the world what they're made of. And um, I think they asked Cattell Marte, would you rather have a World Series or a World Baseball Classic? And he said a World Baseball Classic, if, wow. if, if I'm not mistaken. But this is the mindset of some of these people, you know. Um, I have a, a roommate, a former roommate from Japan, and he said that in Japan, they. Um, take this very, very seriously, and and it shows in Travis the Tokyo Dome those games. A yep. uh, Japanese player hits a home run. There's like these massive flags being waved in the stands. You know, Japanese flags. I mean, these fans are into it. These players are taking it super seriously. You know, we see all this kind of coverage of, like, Lars Newt Bar kind of being accepted into the Japanese team. And, um, you know, it's such an honor for him. And he speaks of it so highly. You know, these countries are super passionate about it. And even Mike Trout, Travis, post-game, um, after, I think, as after their... Uh, Canada win. Right. When they went up two one, you know, as their record, they had, you know, Mike Trout's interview. He's like, yeah, this is, is some of the most fun I've had playing baseball in a long time. And he said that, you know, a guy like Wainwright even agreed. And, you know, these are guys who've been in the MLB for many years and it's kind of a different type of honor and a really unique situation. That they're not going to have very often where you get to not only represent your country, but just kind of Um, have a new assembly of you know players that don't get to be teammates often pretty much probably never and you get a kind of fight for something a bit bigger than uh than a, a season award it's just like a very unique tournament to kind of prove that you're the best and so um i just kind of want to briefly say that you know any Mets fans, you know, very sorry that, uh, it really does stink. If, if Travis, if, if Chad got hurt, as Angel fans, yeah. we'd be beyond devastated. But at the same time, I'm not going to go out and say that, you know, they shouldn't have been competing because they want to be there. They're trying to represent, um, their countries and they're trying to be leaders and they're having fun playing, having some of the most fun they've ever had playing the game they love. So I, 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 it's, it's the Edwin Diaz situation is very unfortunate, but I really, it really, um, it's really sad that a lot of fans are turning into this whole thing about World Baseball Classic doesn't really matter. Why are, you know, why are MLB teams um, paying the consequence of, you know, this tournament? But at the end of the day, Travis, the Mets don't own Edwin Diaz, right? They have a contract for him to play. Yeah. And, um, you know, he, they they agreed, right? It's not like, I mean, they, they definitely could have had a conversation about it, but, I'm sure that they gave him a green light to go compete and it's really unfortunate that he got injured while celebrating, you know, and then that, that yeah. could have happened at any time. Right. Yeah. And then I saw, I saw, you know, last point on this, uh, I saw a really funny kind of some different tweets, um, making fun of the people who were saying, uh, that Edwin Diaz injury was like, it's like unacceptable, blah, blah, blah. But someone's like, they found these old injuries that happened, um, to different players. Like, you always tell me about the job of Wasn't it like a trampoline he got hurt or something yeah, like that? Yeah,
1: just freak accents outside of baseball. And, yeah.
0: and someone's like, might as well ban trampolines, you know? <laughs> or, or I think someone... I think Ross Stripling, like hurt himself like putting on his pants and someone's like ban putting on pants if if it's yeah. gonna cause injury so i, I it, know
1: uh i know madison Bumgarner. i think got an, in a, like a atv like four wheeler like accident like on his ranch in in california somewhere and they're probably thinking like let's ban motorcycles from these guys lives you know and, it, it's just freak accidents
0: and, and yeah and there's only so much you can do because i mean celebration is a celebration that could have been it could have been, a you know, uh, a, some sort of tournament that was happening in Puerto Rico that he was competing in. It could have been, you know, these players have their little home run derbies in their home countries. But um, at the end of the day, Travis, my thought is, you know, wishing him the speediest recovery. But fans who are acting like the World Baseball Classic should be canceled because of this, you know dial it back a bit is my recommendation but how about how about your thoughts
1: yeah I, I again uh the 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 most freakish accident out there you know celebrating after the final pitch you, you knew puerto rico when that last strike was going to be called or uh when the batter was going to strike out that you know they were just going to go crazy because they beat their um at, mo- most people were saying their arch rival in dominican republic you know i think venezuela puerto rico and um and dominican republic um all three of those countries are uh are you know all in, in an inner circle of you know they're all they're all some bonded, of the top, but they're also against each other of Yeah, they yeah some
0: of the top latin american you know rivals i'd say yeah
1: yeah and so uh, you, you knew they were going to go crazy um and, and of course rightfully so you you get you get that final out you want to celebrate you want to go crazy on the field because you you just advanced in one of the toughest pools in the tournament um and so it's just unfortunate the way it happens um as angel fans i mean we can attest we we've seen um our you know I think he was a top five MVP vote getter in 2009, but, uh, Kenny Morales, he was one of our top, top, uh, players in 2010. Uh, he hits a walk off home run against the Seattle Mariners comes home, jumps on home plate. Next thing you know, um, I think it was a break in either the ankle or some part of the Completely leg. Completely
0: broke his leg. It's and like, what the heck?
1: We're not seeing him in an MLB game until, you know, 2012. I think he actually rebroke it again in, like, 2011. And so, again, it, it just freaked things that happen like that. And you're just wondering, you know, why us? Why me? Why does this got to happen? It is very unfortunate. I know Mets fans, they have a lot of things that they um, they just want to go right for them in at least one season. They can hopefully get everything Um, you know they were hoping that everything could be um, all the luck could be on their side for one year um, and it was going to be this year but unfortunately Diaz will not be part of it Alex another name we're we're not throwing out there but you know uh, Freddie Freeman suffered a uh, a hamstring a little little I I won't say uh, tear but you know a little little pull in the hamstring so Mm -hmm. he had to leave the game against um, I think it was either Columbia, I, it might have been Columbia that he had to lead the game against, but or that or Great Britain, but um, you know he's the guy that the Dodgers are 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 heavily counting on, and so you know hamstrings are are certain things where I mean th- that's that's something that you might take you know four weeks off and really stretch it out and get it kind of going and then you never know in a game in late april when maybe he gets activated maybe it tightens up again and you're just having this ongoing injury as the season goes on so that's another thing that you know uh dodger fans will have to look at for the rest of the year is that sometimes these hamstrings just they they really either take a really long time because you just have to sit out you know 60 games and just say i have to take the next two months off i can't really um force myself into this huge huge marathon of a season that MLB gives us but um it, it's unfortunate news for him because uh you know he he of course was trying to carry team Canada into the next pool but um for him, of course, he's trying to get ready for the major league season. These are things that, of course, could have happened in spring training. You know, there's so many things. I think Mike Trout said it best. He said, you know, we're just having fun out here. You know, we could be out in the hot sun of either Florida or Arizona doing this, and then we can get injured. And then most people wouldn't say anything about it. You know, they'd be like, you know, that just sucks. It's unfortunate. But, you know, we have to play spring training. I feel like this World Baseball Classic, it's an extension of spring training, but it's also a a more of a postseason feel for a lot of these guys I I think it actually helps them even more get ready for this MLB season because you are already put into this environment and that's one of the biggest um differences between a spring training game and the world baseball classic you have 10,000 people sitting on you know sitting in their chairs for the entire game not really going crazy if you hit a big you know two out single that that hits you know that 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 gets two runs in whereas in the world baseball classic if you're playing a rival you have a big RBI it's going to feel like a world series game it's going to feel like you got the go ahead run for a you know big time game and so that that's why I think it really gets these guys in um in gear and that may may put them on the edge a little bit more when you look at um you know when you look at just their their the, the way their bodies are and just if they're if they're capable to handle that kind of Um, I don't want to say like tenseness, but, uh, just that sort of, um, just that sort of environment for, for, for what they can go through. So it's, it's, it's definitely changed, but I, I'm, again, it's, you can't put this all on, you know, we need to cancel the world baseball classic.
0: Yeah, the the stakes that exist in the World Baseball Classic, um, obviously not even comparable to spring training. Spring training, it's good for these guys to get their reps in, and um, it's a much probably more controlled environment. But
1: um, I, I will say too, Alex, you know, even watching some of these games, I I, I don't see Trout running 100 to some of these fly balls i don't see trout i don't think running down the line some of these ground balls he may hit he may jog down the line but you see him you know you see him in april and may he is a full out sprint down the first baseline to kind of just beat out some of these ground balls he may hit to the to the infielders also watch a little bit of otani in the first pool round and you know he's he's not running as fast so I get it you don't want to just put all of this kind of stress into beating out this ground ball in the pool stages but you're still getting that work in. you're still you know you're you you're, you're getting in that 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 those those reps that you need to get in before you really hit the ground running in April or of course for this matter I think it's late March for opening day but you know I, I I'm I'm not saying I want to see these guys just go full throttle like I want to see trout you know, head first slide, just aggressively dive into second base or third base. Uh, I want these guys to play a, a tad bit cautious, but I also want these guys to be um, not afraid to get injured as well. Because when you are afraid to get injured, that's when most likely it's going to happen. So, um, again, I just the moral of the story for me is: uh World Baseball Classic is a joy. I think it's it's great for the players and the fans, and I just think that some people um, don't like it because this outcome were to happen. If it were to happen to you know, yeah, just, I mean, it, just it, an average player. I mean, it,
0: it happened to Gavin Lux in a yes, spring training true. game. And um, Dodger fans, of course, are uh, really uh, devastated about it. He's devastated about it. Uh, the whole t- teammates are, I'm sure, um, really sad about the whole situation. But no one's saying he shouldn't have been playing that game, right? It's just a part of the game, unfortunately, his injuries. And it, it really stinks. But um, Travis, I guess I think something I didn't really – um prepare but i also came to my mind i know rodon um who is you know not in the tournament but he is with the yankees and he i think has a strain or something in his in his in his left forearm his pitching arm and so he's gonna miss i think a little bit of time and then there was someone i think they also had bader got hurt or something like that so um these injuries are happening outside of the baseball classic too you know and some teams get hit, hit harder than others it's just part of the whole um the whole thing so that pretty much wraps up that conversation travis any other notes on the baseball classic i feel like we're just pretty much excited for the top eight now yeah
1: it, it was fun i will say one thing that we didn't talk about with the with this pool but um it was the pool where everyone finished two and two uh i think it was pool a ridiculous um, yeah it, it was pretty crazy and i will say alex and you can agree probably the the, the tiebreakers are a little bit uh, stupid. They're, they're, they're a little interesting. And, and it's crazy how you get down to certain levels of, okay, if they're tied in this um if they're tied after this we look at this if they're tied after this we look at this i think it was like the 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 fourth tiebreaker was like batting average which
0: makes absolutely i I mean
1: again you're looking at a short just a small sample size where it's like oh this game everybody hit like everybody got two hits they just killed this one team so the team's batting average is 800 pretty
0: much much if if every game ended 2-1 you know so like every team had identical runs scored runs allowed everyone was 2-2 every game ended 2-1 they would go to batting averages like that is just like I get that it becomes you know really difficult to pick and I will say this Travis in the world cup for for soccer it was the same exact thing it was it literally went from if you're tied in your pool in order to in order to decide who advances it goes to like um goals allowed and then goals scored or something like that yeah but then it goes next to um who has had the most uh yellow cards and red cards which yeah that is atrocious. like that seems so silly and then if that is tied then it goes to a coin flip which That is what I want, Travis. I want Mike Trout (laughs) and Gio Rochella after the Columbia game going out to the mound and doing a coin flip to see who wins.
1: And you know, what's funny is that after, you know, before that game even ended, they were talking about how like, you know, the USA, it it looks like they're safe because of these tiebreakers. And it's just kind of funny that they could still lose the game, but still be safe into moving on just because maybe some of these tiebreakers are, are, you know, going for them. The runs allowed or anything like that. But
0: USA had to either win or lose by two. Yeah. And that would be
1: fine. Yeah. I, I think you sent me a tweet to her dm me and it was just like if if columbia walks off in the ninth it might it will actually hurt their chances where if they tie the game and then walk off in like the 10th inning with like a grand slam that helps their chances because it, yeah it, it was something really weird like it,
0: that because like the way yeah they just really quickly like usa um we're winning by one going into the ninth and in order for um For Columbia to advance, they had to win by three or more. So a walk-off, two-run home run to make them win the game by one run, it would have helped them win this game, but they would not advance. They needed to win by three. So they needed a grand slam in the ninth inning or to force extras and get a three-run home run there. But um, I saw so many funny different scenarios on Twitter, of course, Travis, of people kind of saying all the funny things that could happen. There was actually a situation, Travis, where if Team USA was um let's say Colombia was being team USA like 16 to 6 yep. about to mercy rule them but Colombia actually it would be better for them to let USA score an extra run to avoid the mercy rule that way they can play two more innings and the extra two innings helps their run differential because <laughs> you're putting up two more <laughs> zeros I guess but it's just it's just so yeah. it's just so funny how the small little intricacies of those kind of silly rule tiebreakers uh, come into effect. But you know, yeah. there's a million random situations. We're not going to get into everything. I,
1: I, I heard that too, where it was one game where it was like the mercy rule will hurt them even more. And it was just kind of like that, that seems funky and, you know, just out a- absolutely, um, Crazy if 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 you look at kind of these tiebreakers. It's funny how these tournaments—they just have to look at so many different things to get these tiebreakers, and then you go down to well, who has the better batting average? It's kind of just like okay, we're looking at one stat now that that basically depicts who's moving on. And again, in such a short sample size, I I could care less about what that looks like. But um, one thing I will point on—it was funny—just the the pool that had every team finish two and two. Cuba ended up winning that pool. And it was funny, Alex, they actually started the tournament. 0 and two, and it just looked like a disappointing, um, you know, time around for the world baseball classic for Cuba, Luis Robert. Um, I think it's, they have you on or at least they did. I think he's actually out on medic or he's out on like personal leave right now, which it, it's kind of funny. Cause it's like, it's just kind of like a fun tournament, but he has to go through like the whole, like out on personal leave protocol. Yeah, it's too stuff. bad. But, um, it's it it seemed just like a a very odd uh, start because I, I feel like Cuba was a not a powerhouse but they should at least dominate this pool where you have Italy you have Panama you have Chinese Taipei uh, you just don't have some strong teams in this pool and it just started out 0 and two and then they just get their bleep together and end up winning two games they finish two and two tiebreakers somehow gave them the number one seed they play australia in the quarterfinals they beat them four to three alex they find themselves in the semifinals now in florida i saw a stat it's the first time cuba will play in the state of florida uh of all time wow. a, a, in this entire tournament uh with with of course miami hosting the semifinals and then the finals so i i know the announcers were saying yesterday Um, You really can't wait, you you really wanna see what is that atmosphere gonna be like with just the, the amount of Cuban Americans in that South uh, south area of Florida. I think it has the highest density of Cuban Americans, of course, in the United States, because Cuba is 90 miles off the coast. But uh, I will say it, it'll be fun to see what that crowd's going to be like with Cuba against, you know, possibly even like a, um, a Latin American team. If it becomes to that, but uh, it, 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 it could be really fun to see um, how that all plays out, but just a, a complete turnaround. They go and two, then they win the next three. They find themselves in the semifinals. Most teams cannot say that even if they went two and two in their pool, uh they would probably be eliminated from from what that all has to bring but again it's just fun to see all these different pools and then um you know some of the negatives i will say man i, I poor china they 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 got just e they, they 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 did not stand a single ounce of of a chance to get you know any wins or get get a, get an opportunity to move on in this tournament i think they lost to korea like 22 to 2 It was just an absolute beatdown to a Korean team that got third in their pool. Um, I believe they even lost to the Czech Republic team, which Alex we didn't really highlight, but that's a team filled with plumbers, doctors, firefighters, teachers, day job guys. That that is a team filled with day job guys who baseball is their second coming, their 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 second career, their hobby. which again is just so fascinating, so amazing that they were able to get a World baseball classic win um and it, you got guys that are our school teachers. I mean I saw this commercial and and, and I think the, the the managers like a neurosurgeon, the third baseman's like a second grade school teacher and it, it's just so funny that every position somebody has a uh, a a career that they put forth, you know, in more importance than baseball. It, it's it's so unique, it's so I will say it's special. It's awesome. It's kind of sad, but it's also I, just – it's. It, I, I can't really say much about it. It's, it's pretty funny. I'll
0: just say that I, I don't know the situation of any of the Chinese players. I'm not sure if any of them – maybe they have day jobs too or something. But I just really hope there's no like Chinese player who they literally – it's their whole life to play baseball, you know? And yeah. they're out here like getting up like a grand slam to like a – tax tax auditor it's like it's like I, I I really hope that like you know yeah. if, if if baseball was was your main focus in life that uh you didn't get swept own for with that kind of pool but uh yeah travis i mean lots of exciting games across the board after seeing all this who would you say is your favorite to win this tournament Let's just, final question on, on the subject
1: um yeah i mean i would I just love the way Japan's playing. I, I, I they're they're just a baseball factory. It's, they, easy, they, it's they, easy to agree. they, yeah. they, they always have been. Um, I, I get that you could say the pool play might be a little bit weaker and the the teams they've been playing a little bit weaker, but it just seems like every game they're scoring eight or ten runs. Their pitching's doing tremendous. They just are. They're, they're so crisp. They're so clean. Um, they've been the most impressive team by far. And even though we haven't really seen much of their games because they play at 3 a.m., uh, it, it's been fun to watch these highlights. And when you got a guy like Shohei Otani— leading the charge on the mound and also batting you know i think he's batting in the cleanup hole for them or third for them but um you know you got Lars new bar hitting in that top uh area of the lineup and you just have so many guys that you never really heard of their names but they're just such key contributors and and they're the way the way they go about the game is just an ultimate level of i would say like swag because some of these guys the way they swing their bats and then the ball comes off of it it's 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 like these monstrous home runs, and I'm just like, oh my god! Like he looks like he was just swinging like a golf club, but he's swinging a baseball bat, and that ball, uh, you know, hit off the scoreboard in the Tokyo Dome. You know, it it's it's so fun to watch it. But I will say, I am so so interested to see how this Japanese team will now play against some of these other talented countries. When you start seeing the talent of Venezuela, when you start seeing the talent of the uh, United States or Puerto Rico, it, it'll be really fun to see. How that talent matches up and pairs up with these kind of talents as well, because, you know, I I get they've been beating up on teams like China and also Czech Republic, but um, so far they have been the most exciting and just most consistently uh, dominating team in this tournament easily. (laughs)
0: Uh, I think that's a really good pick, and so they just beat Italy. So they play the winner of Puerto Rico, Mexico, in the semifinals. If they win that, then they're in the
1: championship. Which so. I mean, I mean, seems kind of like a, a slam dunk. Like I, I'm, I'm not incredibly high on both. I mean, I think Mexico could have a, a good game, but I think that Puerto Rico is definitely the betting favorite. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure of it. And even with Puerto Rico, I, I just don't know if they have the. The, the muscle to even you know I I could see Mexico getting past that game as well you know it, it I just feel like both teams could easily easily fumble the bag but I don't know I, I just feel like Japan could have an easy time with one of those teams where I look at Venezuela I look at United States I, I just see both of those teams having such strong lineups um and also on some of the bullpen sides and some of those late pitching you know p- pitching opportunities for some of those guys I just think it's it's a lot stronger but um Anything can happen.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then Team USA is winning up against Venezuela this weekend. And then if they were to win, winner of that plays Cuba. And winner of that will play in the championship. So-
1: which, which, again, I will say, I, I think the winner of Venezuela USA playing Cuba seems you know just in my my mindset it just seems like okay that doesn't seem like a favorable bracket yeah it almost seems like okay like they could easily get past cuba and then of course you'll see a usa venezuela you know against like almost like a japan in the final you know which of course would be great a japan usa um alex i I know i might speculate on it now but i don't know if i think phil nevin's giving a lot of you know influence on if he wants shohei to pitch again
0: yeah I, um, I i heard that it would if he pitched in the final it would be on four days rest which he's never done in the MLB before yeah, so yeah, yeah um as I an think angel it's,
1: fan I, I decline i
0: i think <laughs> i think it's i think it's unlikely um i don't know who is their number two i assume it's darvish but i think they actually might have started someone else but either way like
1: and i, think, and I, and I believe Darv- darvish actually pitched like two innings today um, oh, did he against Italy? So he came in in relief. So which which is interesting. But um, I I, I like I said, I think it might be um, Sasaka which you might have mentioned the Roki
0: like Sasaki.
1: Yeah, Sasaki, he's like 21 years old. Um, electric, electric fastball. I will say, I, I did not watch much of him, but I didn't need I didn't need to much, watch much of him just by how much of an impressive repertoire and and what he gives off. I I was very impressed. He'll be in the major leagues very soon, I believe
0: and yeah i think that um i don't know if this is going to be i don't think this is going to be allowed because the uh we know the championship or like pretty much every round there's like a different like pitch limit you know but uh it's like
1: 95 pitches in the final round which i mean again i don't know if you want your starting ace if he's in major league or going 95 deep in a in the championship game and then going to spring training and you're you know you're going only four innings it might be a little bit too much of a you know just a bad changeup for those guys but we'll see
0: right and i don't want to uh i mean this is another shout out to my uh my japanese buddy koshi he was telling me how i mean this is not going to be allowed but in many times these japanese pitchers travis in like a world series game for them or whatever their like biggest tournaments are um their starting pitchers will go like, the, like Masahiro Tanaka has had games in Japan where he's pitched like 150, 180 pitches. Like they will just like literally to the bone. Like they will just, they will just like, you know, be these ruthless wow. competitors. Wow. So we won't see that in this, unfortunately, be, or I would say. Or it's will probably, we? It's, it's, <laughs> I think there's a pitch count preventing it, but um, like, could you imagine like Darvish, like, one day rest, just going out there and just like throwing yeah. 150 pitches yeah. or something. Yeah, but Potter's like,
1: <laughs> Potter's not be happy. <laughs>
0: but it, it's 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 uh it's fun to think about. But Travis, we're so stoked. The final is going to be uh on Tuesday. Wait, it's so yeah, st-
1: Tuesday four o'clock our time, which is a little bit you know. I will say upsetting because it's an East coast game. So we're going to get kind of the, the shaft of it, or at least, you know, if people have, we'll we'll be
0: hurrying home from work.
1: Yes. Yeah. But uh, the,
0: the, it's crazy how it's going to be wrapped up so fast. So next episode, we'll probably already know the results. So um, we'll cover that more next episode, Travis, about kind of how the tournament kind of shapes up. Let's keep it moving on. Um, I guess one quick note on the MLB, you know, there's still some guys out there, Travis, who have not been signed. Still some guys looking for teams. Yeah. Um, uh, Yuli Gurriel and Jose Iglesias, both signing deals. I think Iglesias was a minor league deal. Yuli may have been an MLB deal, but either way, both deals with the Miami Marlins. The Miami Marlins and Travis continue to be a team <laughs> that confuses me, right? I think all their moves yeah. have been, you know... Are they trying to rebuild? Are they trying to just get guys and hope they get hot and flip them at the deadline? Are they trying what, what's the what's the what's the goal? Um, I don't know what it is. What is your reaction to those deals? I, I just kind of see them. I mean, they're obviously adding contact bats. They went for Arise, they went for as a contact bat, Iglesias is a contact bat. Um I don't know, I don't know the game plan. I think yeah. you know, they gave away their second best pitcher. Um, so I thought maybe they're going to rebuild, but maybe maybe they're not, you know, who, who knows, but Um, any any thought at all?
1: Yeah, confused. I they they play in a powerhouse division Uh, the phillies the mets and the braves will be better than the marlins most likely and sure I i'm i'm pretty sure. Uh, and you're looking at a fourth place team I I guarantee though. I mean honestly, I feel like that could be one of the safest bets You could say is like the marlins will be a fourth place team because the nationals will be atrocious and the three teams that I just mentioned will be uh, should be definitely better than them. So Miami's just going to be in this like 70 to like, I would even say like you could say like 81 win range, like could they be 500 possibly, but it would take a lot. Um, It's but that's not going to get you a playoff spot most likely. And so again, are are you looking for guys that you're going to flip at the deadline? Are you looking for uh, a team that you know, could this miracle Marlins of 2023 happen where you're like, you know, this, the, the sixth seed in, in the playoffs,
0: uh, Rizzo, or are sorry. Um, Jose Iglesias, world series MVP.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, I, I, I don't know how you can see all these guys getting, getting you through 162 games. A lot of the guys are even on the older side. I mean, Yuli Gurriel is a old major league baseball player and also Gene Segura. Um, his prime, you know, younger days are behind him. So, uh, you look at a lot of these guys, and and it's kind of a big question mark that uh, I again I don't know why um, a lot of these guys are getting signed. I I I I think it a Kim Kim Eng is the GM for the Marlins. It's, yeah, it, it seemed that she was. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm not putting this anything past her. She she's a brilliant mind from everything that people have been saying. But again, when, when it's your first GM role and you're kind of making these moves, you're it's 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 very questionable. I mean, yeah, it might get the fans excited, but. I again, I, if I was a fan of the Marlins and and I was looking at these, I'd be like, okay, I I I know we're not going to finish most likely in the top three of this division, which possibly mean, probably means we're not going to be a playoff team. But why are we trying so hard to be a you know, eighty win team where we're just going to get like this middle of the ground draft pick, you know, at the end of this season or or, or, or next year, and so. You know what, what? What are we kind of doing? Like, are we hoping these guys kind of strike gold all in one season, and then we can maybe you know make a strong push later in the season? I don't know, but again, I, I it's it's a little bit of a confusing time. So
0: it's a fair criticism. I know that Kimang, uh, you know, deserved the job that she got. I have no idea how much pull you know different people in the front office and ownership might have. I do know that Derek Jeter um, was a you know a key piece in the front office that left because uh he was not the rumor was he was not uh very convinced that the uh direction of the team was in win now mode and because of that uh seems like he was not really interested in sort of um giving this sort of input on like a, a rebuild situation but maybe they're not rebuilding maybe they're just trying to be decent and kind of get some fans in the seats but you know I hope they do well. It'd be fun if they. It'd be fun if they were good. So we'll kind of see. I also just don't really get how the like Yuli Gurriel is a first baseman, like nothing. Like he like he has played second in the past and like or whatever. But he's third. Yeah. But like I don't see that right. Like he's gonna be playing first base. Yeah,
1: Garrett um, Cooper. Garrett Cooper should be playing first base, and he probably will be. Yeah.
0: And so Yuli will. So who's playing first? Who's playing DH? And then DH is supposed to be Soler. So is Soler going to play outfield? Or is one of these guys going to get benched? Yeah. So it's just like...
1: It's going to be the master class of lefty versus righty and righty versus lefty or somehow. Right. I think yeah. I, yeah. I
0: think all those guys are righty. So it's like... it's like I just, yeah. I, I yeah. just don't really yeah. see the vision personally, but I hope they're good. It'd be fun if they're good, but I am not super sold. Travis, let's keep it rolling to a new topic here. Um, there was a fun post by another baseball podcast and we're going to kind of steal the bit, Travis. We're going to just kind of talk nice. about a fun thing that they brought up. So there's two different ones. One is for hitters, um, position players, I should say, and one is for starting pitchers. It is rank the prime versions of these legends. The hit the, the, the position players mentioned are Miguel Cabrera, Alex Rodriguez, Mike Trout, and Albert Pools. <laughs> Travis. <laughs> These are all four players who we've had the, you know, sometimes you say oh compare Babe Ruth to whoever it's like we 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 don't really know but these four guys we've witnessed their primes, right? So we have yeah. something we can say about, you know, um these players. Um I'll just start us start us off here, Miguel Cabrera, A-Rod, Albert and Mike Trout. One guy stands out as not on the level of the other three. Do you agree with that? Yes. Who would that
1: be? Miguel Cabrera.
0: Okay. Yep. So we we agree. And that's no slight, Travis. Yep. The other three yep. guys just happen to be top 10 position players of all time, right? Yep. Alan Miguel Cabrera is quite there. Maybe, maybe he's top 20, top 30. No, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. But um the other the other three are inner inner circle hall of famers. Um, even though of course and we're,
1: we're, and we're talking about a 31-year-old on that list, too, which, which is kind of just it is it a remarkable in itself.
0: So with the remaining three, Travis, a. Rod, Albert, and Mike Trout all have their own unique arguments. Um, A. Rod, I could honestly see someone saying he's the best because yep. he played shortstop. Um, one hundred
1: seventeen WAR.
0: It, it, it's it's crazy numbers, but then I could see someone saying he's third because he he did steroids. So it just he's one of the more difficult guys to rank. But if you didn't care about steroids and you just cared about Um, The talent, I mean, there's definitely an argument that he is um, a top five position player ever. So, um, Trout and Pools, Travis, I think the biggest thing, we've we've talked about this many times, different positions, right? It's kind of difficult to compare a first baseman with a center fielder. Um, I personally am going to uh, pick Trout as the best of this foursome. I think that the amount of war he was able to put up in his prime um, year after year um, tops these other guys. I think... Actually, A-rod has some seasons that are Trout-esque because he was gets so much value from playing a good defensive shortstop plus the offense. But I think Trout is the best hitter on this list. There are definitely an argument to say Albert, especially if you count longevity. If you care about longevity, then Albert is like clearly like, oh, dude, he was he was 41 hitting like a 20 plus home run season. So um there's arguments to be had all around, but I think that Trout in my in my book is the best hitter of the group. And he's also playing uh center field. So any so I, I guess I would for me, ranking A-rod and Albert, it's too apple, it's too much of apples and oranges, because yep. one guy played the game right, quote unquote. One guy cheated, quote unquote. Um, but one guy played shortstop, which is like incredibly impressive. Yep. Um, and they both were probably probably similar hitters maybe Albert had a bit better of an offensive peak, but A-Rod had, you know, I mean, multiple seasons where he was, you know, home run record kind of guy or home run like uh, leader for the season kind of stuff. So um, what are your thoughts on that foursome, I guess?
1: Yeah, and uh, you're 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 definitely uh, bringing up a reply to a tweet that I put on Twitter. So I, I wasn't going to mention k- kudos it. Kudos to you. But, uh, you know, in, in that tweet, I was referring to who I thought was the better prime hitter. Now, if we went hitter, prime hitter, my list would be Pujols 1, Trout 2, A-Rod 3, and Miguel Cabrera 4. I think Miguel Cabrera is an easy 4, no matter what you talk about, just because um, the hitting was good. But some of these guys just had primes that were just um, uh, super, super special of the elite of Hall of Fame. But if we're talking about player Alex, I will put Mike Trout number 1 because of what he brings all together on the diamond, the speed, the defense the just the just the five tools in this that Mike Trout brings it's 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 hands down better than all three of these guys so Mike Trout number one would go for me for the best prime player Um number two I I'd actually put our pool holes uh, I think looking at just some of the hitting stats I again I, I'm just a little befuddled by his 2001 to 2010 seasons. I, I, I'm i just so astonished by what he was able to provide. Looking at A-Rod's prime and even looking at A-Rod's entire career, he only had one season with an OPS above a 1050. You look at our pools, his career, he had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. He had five seasons in that 2001 to 2010 range where the ops was above a 1050 now of course the ops plus will configure um you know evaluating kind of how the league is you know going and also with the um with the ballparks and all that stuff but, but they,
0: they played in more or less the, the same, same era, era. Yeah, and yeah. um era did have yankee stadium helping them out a little yep. bit and of course you know um Please, yeah, go ahead and continue. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I, I, I will say for me, player wise, and um, and and you know, of course, hitter wise, going with Pools number one, but player wise, I will have Pools two. A Rod will be number three for me. I think it's an easy top three, um, no matter how you rank it, but it's a it's a generalized top three. Miguel Cabrera number four. Um, you know, when I when I look back and I remember Miguel Cabrera in 20, 50 years from now, I'm gonna say you know just an, uh, just a great hitter had that triple crown season. Defense was always a little bit kind of a meh part of his game. It wasn't really something that was going to astonish me um, like some of these guys, at least was in prime, in primetime Pujols, he was a active gold glove winner. He had very good defensive numbers in his early days in St. Louis. Trout, of course, we know is an excellent fielder despite any gold gloves. Alex Rodriguez, too, playing shortstop and putting together those numbers is just outstanding and out- astonishing in my opinion as well, but we all know Miguel Cabrera just having a great contact bat with also a great power bat, almost like a poor man. Albert Pujols did not have the home runs or kind of the RBIs on the level of what Albert Pujols provided, but the batting average I think is going to finish above 300, unlike some of these guys that will not finish above 300, but um, Miguel Cabrera, in my opinion, is the easy number four where um, you look at those players, but yeah, player-wise, I mean, Mike Trout's at what an eighty, an eighty-three WAR for his career, and he's he's what he's less than twenty behind our Pujols right now. And we all know in in the next four years, you know, Mike Trout will most likely be surpassing a one hundred WAR. Which again, we, we we just you just don't see that. You, you don't see that uh, every generation. You don't see that. It, it, it's it's something I hope fans will appreciate and look into. Is that? No, I heard he's overrated we can get into that but uh um <laughs> but i i will say it's it's astonishing what he's able to provide and the value he's able to provide so player wise i will say mike trout hitter wise though i i will lean of course on the hour pools uh train I, I just think what pools brought when it comes to the total slash line the batting average the on base the slugging all better marks than what trout was bringing also with the ops um j- just seemed to uh just be, you know, uh, slightly a more complete just all around just power hitter and also uh driving in runs with contact as well. So I, I lean slightly on that part with the Alberts Prime batting, but in terms of all-around player, I think it's an easy one. I think uh, Mike Trout's easy number one, which I, I think a lot of people um, you know, three days ago would probably disagree with.
0: Yeah, I I <laughs> I think that, you know, we more or less agree on all these guys. My only thought is that um the OPS plus stuff for Mike Trout is truly um, puts into perspective how much kind of ahead of some of his peers he is. You know, like um, there are so many great talented players in today's game, but Mike Trout had like this run in the middle of the 2010s where I think 2014 about was when there was like uh, – they started juicing up the balls because it was a really low offensive environment. I think trout like led an OPS with like a nine, nine something or something like that. Yeah. And it just kind of goes to show like the offense is really kind of dipping league wide, but he was still an OPS plus monster because he was leading the league by so much. But um, Travis, let's move on to one more uh, exercise. Very similar concept. Rank the prime version of these four pitchers. Uh, same situation where we saw these guys at their best, which is um, it makes this exercise pretty fun because um, we love being historians of the game. But these are guys we got to see with our own eyes. So uh, the four names we're going to compare, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw and Jacob deGrom no. for uh, easy Ooh. locks for the Hall of Fame. Was- right. Um, Tell me, Travis, rank these four primes. Uh, do you want me to start or should you, you want to go?
1: Yeah, I'll let you start. That that's gonna be. It, I, it, it would take a lot of thinking, but I'll give you my 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 quick my quick pick for the top four. Yeah, yeah. It, it
0: it is it is a bit of a tricky one. Um, it's interesting because some guys have very clear, obvious primes um Clayton Kershaw I think if I'm not mistaken didn't he win four straight Cy Youngs or was it three and four years
1: I, I think it was three and four years I don't think it was yeah I think Jake Jake Arrieta had one in one of those years
0: right yeah. and, and he was maybe second or third yeah uh, I think yeah, he was yeah, second yeah. and cranky was third. but he had an MVP
1: with the Cy Young one year which of course has yes. not but, very but often.
0: I mean talk about an obvious prime like in in that little stretch of of seasons there he is an absolute dominant force um very clear starting pitcher number 1 in the world um for a good stretch of seasons and whereas a guy like a guy like uh Justin Verlander Travis yep. had a very good um Cy Young MVP season with the Detroit Tigers then has a bit more of an up and down stretch ends up at Houston and has a bit of a renaissance I'd say Ended up with the 2019 Cy Young, which was a great season. I still feel like Garrett Cole's a little bit snubbed. Yeah. But, but, but I think <laughs> we, all, too. we all remember how good Cole's season was. But Philander had that no-hitter that season. Ash was just, uh, an absolute uh, monster of a team. Anyways, he gets injured. All of a sudden, Travis, last year, he bounces back. Old man off an injury. We all count him out again. So I don't even know when his prime actually is. So it's hard to rank his prime for me. I think Kershaw and DeGrom for me are number one are one and two. I think uh my opinion is that Kershaw has to be number one. I think that what he's been able to do, it's almost like with the way we've praised DeGrom on this podcast, Kershaw was kind of making it look easy. Like, Kershaw, in his career, has a better ERA than DeGrom. And DeGrom, like, Kershaw, we feel like he's declining, right? But his year-in, year-out ERA is still so good that it's still better than DeGrom's career, which that, to me, is pretty crazy. I think Kershaw leads um, ERA Plus all time for starting pitchers, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's correct. I could be wrong, but I think that's correct. Yeah. Um. Anyways, Kershaw obviously could have some decline in the future, but I think for prime... Um, I think I think he's personally underrated. I think that what he's able to do um, in a MLB season when he was at his best really is going to end up, in it. when we look back, it'll be like a top 10 pitcher of all time. That's my opinion. I think DeGrom is pretty much um, at the same level, but shorter and less consistent with the injury. So that's the only difference maker for me. I, I'll have DeGrom a tick below. Kershaw and then I'll go I think I'll go Scherzer next I think Scherzer um he's interesting because he had this great stretch with Detroit and then also was great um with Washington uh had that World Series win which was uh, awesome and then I'm not sure if that was his prime but then he had a great a great top three Cy Young finish um with the Dodgers in that half season there so um What's his prime, too? It feels like it's kind of an extended prime. But um, I think in his absolute peak seasons, he was on the almost on the level of Kershaw and DeGrom. I think he's going to go down as an all-time great. But I just don't think I could point to a two, three-year stretch the same as Kershaw and DeGrom, where it's like, this guy was the best pitcher in the world for sure, right? I think there's an argument to be made for some of those seasons, but I don't think it's like a three-year stretch where it's like, oh, this guy is the best for sure in the world. Um, and then Verlander, I think... His prime is kind of hard to rank. He kind of goes up and down in my mind. He is truly one of the best ever, but um, in terms of prime, um, I think these other guys are just too special. So that's my complete breakdown, Travis. Now your turn. Uh, we agree. <laughs> yeah? Okay, cool. We
1: agree. Um, you you spot on with, with Clayton Kershaw. We, we, we've not seen in the 150-something years of Major League Baseball, we have not seen a pitcher much like Clayton Kershaw in terms of the prime and what he's able to provide um those like 2012 2011 to like 2017 kershaw is just insane numbers Um, his
0: average era is like
1: a two yeah in like a seven year span or something it's almost just like a 2.2 era every single year like is the average or whatever but um he's easily number one and i will say i i looking at degrom it's a shorter prime but just looking at those years DeGrom is just one of the most dominant Mm -hmm. pitchers we've seen in the last like 10-15 years doesn't really have what Kershaw has Kershaw is not going to overwhelm you with 102 mile an hour fastball like DeGrom is or like a slider or the changeup that's just going to be a complete just devastating blow to some of these hitters Um, unlike you know Kershaw's big 12-6 curve um, and also with this change up in fastball that he'll get people on surprises. But, um, I, I, I think DeGrom, it, it, he's such a unique, uh, sample size, but I, I, I look at him and I look at those years. And again, I, I, I haven't seen a guy like that pitch in my in my entire life. I mean, probably go back to, you know, Pedro Martinez in the late nineties, early two thousands, when you kind of compare both those guys where they just had heater fastballs with also just lights out um off-speed pitches as well but um Kershaw DeGrom are going to be of course my top two uh and then of course you go Scherzer Scherzer looking again at from that 2013 Tiger season um where he won the Cy Young to all the way to 2021 2020 was of course a very again interesting year he, I, I don't think he had the best numbers that year I think we were actually kind of down on him from after after that season we thought you know it's probably not going to be a great, you know max scherzer anymore it's probably going to be a decline but he proved to be a top three guy in 2021 of course finishing out that season with the dodgers but uh max scherzer i think with that prime is so special furlander it's upsetting because i think he is such an elite hall of fame pitcher he is going to go down as one of the best pitchers of the 21st century also obviously one of the best pitchers of of, of all time as well but um i just feel like he has a very known ryan career where he you know. He has Cy Youngs, unlike Nolan Ryan, who has zero Cy Youngs. He has three Cy Youngs for Elander, but they're spread out throughout his career. And even looking at 2019, we both agree. I think Garrett Cole was the better pitcher that year, but he won the Cy Young. He also got second the year prior in 2018. Um, and then you look at last year, at 2022, just a insane out of nowhere outlier year where um, was able to have the best ERA plus of his career at a 220 and also have the best ERA of his career at a 1.75, which I think nobody really expected. Um, but you you just look at kind of the numbers, and he, he just has these kind of peaks and valleys. Not not crazy big, you know, valleys where you're looking at like, oh my god, like, where w- what was this guy doing for you know two or three year stretch? But um, you know, looking at 2013, he had a three. Four, six ERA then in 2014 it goes up past a 4.5 ERA so he really struggled that season then of course gets it back down below a 3.5 then kind of continues to decrease that ERA into what was the 2018 season where he got um second in hall of fame voting that year it's kind of crazy he actually finished 2016 with a 3.04 era and got second that year in Cy Young voting so there are I feel like there are some seasons where it possibly could went to better people I'll have to check the the rankings and, and how those guys have got it but I just feel like Verlander is such a um his 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 durability and, and what he's able to provide across his entire career is what's so special about him. He really didn't have that small prime, which you could say is a good thing or a bad thing. Some guys had really good, strong primes. Maybe didn't have the longevity. You know, you look at the end numbers for Kershaw, they're gonna be nowhere near Verlander's end numbers because Verlander was able to just pitch that many innings, have that many strikeouts, you know, have all these records and have all these special, special numbers. Same thing with DeGrom. Probably even probably even Scherzer, but you look at Degrom and 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 Kershaw compared to Verlander. Verlander is going to own him in a lot of these stats, um, wins. You know, probably with the innings pitched and the strikeouts, all that stuff. But um, he just had too much of a longevity uh, Hall of Fame career. Not too much of a of small sample size prime prime Verlander, even though so many special seasons. But. Um, a long, a long conversation right there, but it's I, a good I, breakdown. Yeah, I, I I look at Verlander as it, it, it was tough putting him forth right now because I have I just think he's such a special pitcher. Um, I think he's the guy that will get you know ninety five percent in that first year of Hall of Fame voting. He is just a uh, clear clear Hall of Fame pitcher with everything that he provides, but um, he, he just didn't have the prime like these other guys.
0: Yeah, I think it's a good breakdown. Um, I think this is something that we just both for some reason are obsessed with, we just love these little kind of breakdowns and little like comparisons. So I think we'll try to get more stuff like that. Like there's even sprinkle sprinkle in the podcast. Um, but it's a fun little conversation, Travis, let's switch over to one last small tidbit before we get into discussing the AL and NL West, uh, standings predictions one last thing we've had a little bit of a chance now to witness the pitch clock in action the shift ban in action and the larger bases in action what is just our first you know just one or two minute kind of opinion summary how have we liked it so far the games are shorter there's a bit more aggressiveness on the base paths some pitchers some hitters a little bit upset about being rushed or getting an extra ball or strike but I think most people are getting used to it slowly you know Um, I think the shift so far it's kind of helping a little bit more balls in play grounders pulled probably becoming hits singles instead of uh, double plays ground outs but um, what's your thought? Do you think it's going to end up making this season a better season? Um, and where are you at with everything?
1: Yeah, well, I'll tell you this after watching four and a half hour long world baseball classic games, I am actually now in favor of this pitch clock. Um, and, and just the timing, I, I will say the first couple of weeks, it was a bit of a, um, it, it, it was annoying. I will say, I, I think watching so many of these highlights, you know, not only MLB, but college, you see some of these guys getting called out strike three, ball games over it just seems so unfair it just seems so it, it just didn't seem right and so it, it was definitely a hard thing to look at but I will say when you look at some of these world baseball classic games and it's the fourth inning and it's already been two hours and you're just like oh my gosh like this game is taking forever granted it is probably like a five to like eight ball game you've had a lot of offense so therefore the innings are taking a very long time but it is very very um, annoying at times to watch these games go So long when you're so used to these spring training Games just going you know bang 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 And you know within you know some four, game- 45 minutes three innings are done Some games were ending in two hours Like this is like I think to the
0: common fan, it's much better. And to the diehard fans, we'll get used to it. I yeah, think that's my yeah, kind of stance. Yeah,
1: and, and, and I'm, I'm interested to see exactly how it's going to play out also in the season. I mean, I know we're looking at spring training games, and you're looking— I, I feel like a lot of the younger minor leaguers have it already dialed down because they're used to it already. For the ML beers, I think Manny Machado made history. He took the first strike ever uh, by yes. not getting in the box. Um, but it's just something where, you know, I think when, when, when you take that strike, or you take that ball— you get out of the box for a second, swing the bat, maybe adjust something, and you get back in and you are and, and you're ready to go. You know, it's just something to kind of keep that pace going because th- there is one clip I I it was from like the twenty sixteen like National League division series or playoffs. I think it was like Giants Cubs in like the division series.
0: Was it the Pedro was it Pedro Baez? Pedro one? Baez, yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and it was like Pedro Baez and um the manager of the Cubs. Um I think is it David Bell? Not David Bell. Um what year was it? um david ross yeah david ross and it basically he was in the box and pedro Baez is like picked off like four times and it was like a two and a half three minute span and they're like no pitch has been thrown in this three minute span like how could you watch this and it's like i, I get that it's playoffs and you know i could care less about the common fan and being like this is so annoying like it's the playoffs i i would if i'm a fan of the cubs or the, or the or the, you know, the, the giants. I'm like, take as long as you want, man. Like I just we need to get out of this game and get this win. But, um, I will say watching a lot of these games now, it's, it's nicer to see, uh, the pace just going along a lot smoother, a lot quicker. Um, I will say the bigger bags, I, again, I, I could probably only say good things about them because, you know, it's, it, 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 it should limit, um, you know, injuries now that you have a bigger base to grab onto. So not really too concerned about that. Also with the shift, um, I, I think growing up, Alex, I, I wasn't really raised on seeing a lot of guys in like the early 2000s shift a lot. And it kind of was a thing that happened over the last 10 years when you started getting into some of these more um, advanced metrics and guys, you know, where they would hit the ball. So I, again, I, I'm, I'm not too upset about banning the shift. I I could kind of care less. And, you know, for me, I, I kind of always thought about if if you have the shift on you, a guy like Joey Gallo, um, my initial thought, my obvious thought is always, well, you know, maybe if you want to get a hit or you want to somehow get on and you can't walk or you can't hit a home run, maybe you laid on a bunt on the third base line. But, you know, I know Joey is a guy that loves to just swing for the fences and he might ground and do a, you know, a shift ground out. But, um, I, I, again, th- those two ones are the, are the ones I could least really kind of care about or are ones that are gonna make the biggest impact for me. Um, the pitch clock was the one that I was very, you know, interested to see, or at least concerned about, but. Again, I think it's funny how the World Baseball Classic I think really changed a lot of people's mindset, and they're like, "Yeah, I think this is actually a good thing because uh, um, I think even uh, Vinny Pasquen- uh actually said in a uh, like an inter- Instagram you know reel that he he posted he was like, "You guys are really happy to see these you know four and a half hour games, right? You know he he was actually really in favor of the of the pitch clock and getting the game kind of sp- sp- you know speeded up and 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 having the average fan watching it in two and a half hours because when games kind of speed up like that you're kind of like wow this is actually going you know a lot more efficiently than I thought and you can still have big innings that last you know 30 minutes but you know now you're just gonna have to get in the box a lot quicker and you can see at bats you know be shortened and, and you know that's the one thing you hate is seeing some of these at bats go you know six minutes and you're just like oh my goodness like this guy's still up and he's fouled off six pitches now and it's just yeah. it's just a and, and now he's calling for timeout. you know I will say no more Garcia Parra uh, you are a special type of batter because that glove uh, adjusting will not be allowed anymore.
0: <laughs> right, and and I do think this whole new world we live in with the timing and speeding up um, is going to make for some fun mind games from some savvy veterans or just savvy players in general. I did see a clip where Joey Votto he took a ball and he didn't. You know, Travis, if you're you know playing in a, in a baseball game. You lay off a tough pitch. You're going to kind of like do the little squat maybe, take a step out, kind of yeah. readjust. He didn't move a muscle. He literally took a pitch, didn't move a muscle, stayed in his stance, right? Yep. Kept the bat yep. up. Sta- he stared down the pitcher the whole time. Didn't budge until the next pitch came. And I think he either felled it off or something. But it's just funny how like some guys are going to try to get in the pitcher's head a little bit. And then I think vice versa. I think, um, I think that Max Scherzer, he – was letting the pitch clock go down to like three, two, one. And then like, I think the batter got like kind of psyched out. So he called, um, I forget what happened. He like stepped out of the box or something, I forget. But um, Scherzer like stayed on the mound in ready position. So right when the batter stepped back in, Schroeder just started his, his pitch, like pretty much at the 15 second mark of the of the pitch clock. So I think it'll just make for some fun situations like that. I can see, you know, some of the mental games. There's guys like Zach Greinke, Travis, who are kind of famous for like the mind games within the game, you know, and, and especially as a, as a starting pitcher. I saw one time where Granky didn't know what the pitch was, Travis, and, like, he was messing with his pitch comm thing, right? And the pitch clock was running out, and he's, like, three seconds, two seconds. So he just lobbed a 48-mile-an-hour just, like, he just just lobbed the ball up there, and the batter obviously laid off, and it was a ball. But it's just funny to see these guys are going to have some funny situations coming out that, you know, could be you know, criticized maybe, but I think it'll just make for an overall better experience this season. I'm excited for games that might end quicker. I saw one funny problem, Travis. Some stadiums might have an issue if they stop selling alcohol at the seventh inning. Because that might that might be an hour fifteen, hour thirty yeah. of, of alcohol sales. And that's uh that's not gonna fly for some of these owners. I mean they they're missing out on free money if you know maybe we'll start seeing ninth inning alcohol sales. We'll see. Yeah. We'll yeah. see. But very true. Um it's going to be a fun, you know, kind of thing to keep tracking as how it affects some of these teams going into the new season. But, Travis, let's
1: – I, I will say it will say either seventh inning or, um, you know – Or n- just a time. N- n- 9 p.m. or, some, yeah, or, or like sure. 9, 9, 15 p.m. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. La-
0: imagine imagine – Depending the, on what time the game starts. Imagine <laughs> the peanut guy walking around. He's like, last call. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Travis,
0: let's wrap up this episode with a fun little game of over-unders. AL West, NL West, you're going to give the betting odds. I'm going to give the Pocota and Fangraph projections, and we're going to say where we see these teams ending up this season. So why don't you start us off?
1: Yeah, so we will round out this last um, three-part series, I would say, of uh, giving the over and the unders for these teams. And we went over the American League, National League, East, the Central. We'll finish up with the West now. Um, I'll start off with the National League, West, Alex. And we'll start with the team that actually finished in the bottom part of the standings last year in the National League West. That's going to be the Arizona Diamondbacks. Last year, 74 wins in total for the 2022 campaign. Caesars right now has them at 76 and a half total wins for 2023. Alex, do you think they could be a team that will finish over or under that? 76 and a half.
0: So... My first thought is that I kind of like them for next year, not to like be a threat in the division, but just to kind of be a fun team, almost like maybe last year's Orioles, maybe get a bit of good luck. I think they have some good pitching prospects coming up. Obviously, Corbin Carroll is a rookie of the year kind of guy. Other young talent like Jake McCarthy, Um, they just traded for a top catcher. Um, So, you know lot to like on the horizon. It's hard to say if it's their time quite yet. I would say probably a couple years down the line they'll be a bit better. But I'll go ahead and say over. Um, it's a tough call, um, but I'll just be a little ambitious and say over. And then just for the context, Fangraphs has them at 77, which is pretty much right where Vegas sees them. And then Pakoda, a bit more aggressive, has them uh, a bit worse, 73.6 simulated wins. So... Um, it's tricky because their division um, has some good teams, but there's less divisional play, so you know, could go could go either way for me. But I'll I'll say over. What about you?
1: It is uh it is definitely a tricky one. Um, you know, I love the youth. I love that talent. Corbin Carroll is going to be really fun to watch. Um, you know, I think Merrill Kelly had a breakout season last year so it, it's fun to see also zach Gallon, down um, was great last finished year. finished really strong last year i know he had a good like i think it was like 2021 or it, 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 have, it was 2020 or something like that he then um one of those seasons was not not that great impressive but uh, I am I'm, I'm big on him bouncing back of course and having another resurgence great year for them I will of course say over with you as well I think it's going to be slightly I think they're a team where it's like they could finish in that like 75 to like 79 win total uh, it's just going to depend on you know uh, not only health but just you know I think there, there will be a little bit of a luck involved as well. They're not playing the West that much, again, like you mentioned. So I think they could take advantage of some of those other weaker teams they are going to be able to play when they're not playing the Padres, they're not playing the Giants, they're not playing the Dodgers, that sort of thing. So um, I think the win total could go up for them, and I believe that they can get above 76.5. Uh, moving to the team that actually finished last, last year, Alex, we're going to go with the Colorado Rockies. Last year, 68 wins for the Rockies. Caesars right now has them at 66 and a half. So they have them going down. They have them uh going down by a game and a half. Do you see the Rockies with an over or under of 66 and a half?
0: 66 and a half. Okay. So Pacota has them projected at 64.9 so even a bit below that and i'm looking at fan graphs they're projected to have the worst record at 64. oh wow not very optimistic from either projection system i'll go ahead and just say under i guess some team is going to have to be just the stinker right of the national league i think they're probably as good a candidate as anyone um it's just difficult to have faith in a team that has i think so little commitment from their uh, ownership, and I think that there's just been a lot of nepotism in their front office. I think it's just a really bad, poorly run situation. I feel really bad for the fans. I think there will be things to like, but overall, you know, I think they just add, like, Mike Moustakis. Like, I think they're just... Like, I just don't really... (laughs) it's difficult to see the vision right so i'll I'll go ahead and say under
1: yeah and i I will go back even to the chris bryant signing again another kind of mysterious signing they got him on just don't get it yeah because you know you're not going to win in the next you know two to three years and you get this you know great player who would do very well in a lot of ball clubs and I, I don't know if it was for the fans getting jer- a guy jersey like sales,
0: that. by the way yeah jersey.
1: Yeah, jer- yeah jersey sales you you got that spot on but i i again a, a very questionable mark i will also say under on this as well i think that the pod i think that the uh rockies will be under the 66 and a half mark i think that they are you know a team where i i just again i don't i don't see the vision with them right now i mean i think their owner as well i mean some of the biggest things that they've had that they that they did not do in the last, you know, three to five years is, you know, they traded Arenado, but they did not get that much in return. And then with Trevor Story, he was just able to walk. And I think a lot of us were looking at that as, you know, what are you doing? You could get so much value for a guy like Trevor Story at that time. Charlie Blackman was very very hot I feel like on the the trade market for teams that could easily use a big lefty bat like him I think he had like 38 home runs back in like 2017 or so but um you know a guy like him a guy also like Herman Marquez who was a great starting pitcher for a really long time um you know for a good three to four seasons for that Rockies team but they just they just kept on to these guys and you you see that those guys primes are kind of fizzled out and and then not, not, you don't not, know what's gonna happen now. Not you
0: know? not to mention Daniel Bard, who's like 40, whatever, and like they could have flipped him at the deadline for like a nice pitching prospect or whatever. True. Yeah. And instead they just hang on to him. I think they extended him. Like it's like what yeah, it's like. Yeah. What I just do not understand. I, I'm
1: I'm I'm kind of big on the Yes, you kind of want to make your 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 fans appealing to come to the ballpark. But at the same time, I rather go watch an atrocious team but just know that our minor league system is growing 100%. and that we have so much youth and prospects to look forward to in the future than signing, you know, a guy like Chris Bryant who yeah, right now it may be fun, but he's not he's not going to single-handedly get us to be a 500 ball club. So um, again, a very confusing look for them, but 66 and a half for them. I think yeah, we both went with the under a, a very confusing team, I would say, for the National League as as one whole. But uh, moving on, Alex, the San Diego Padres, they finished, of course, last year, 89 wins, just shy of the 90 win mark. Caesars has them at 93 and a half. So they, of course, should go up in the win totals. Alex, they, they've been the most aggressive team, I think, for the last two or three seasons. It, it, they, they have just been winning the offseason every single year and last year it was very very nice to see them make an aggressive and deep run into october uh you know a couple big hits a couple big pitches here and there they're probably finding themselves back in san diego playing a game six possibly even a game seven of that national league championship series against the phillies uh unfortunately bryce harper uh was just too big to handle uh but uh Padres 93 and a half do you think that they would be a team that'd be over or under that mark
0: I'm gonna shade under okay um I think they do have the talent to be over I just sort of see them as a
1: I, I will say this 89 and a half no Tatis and only what 40 50 games of Soto I'm
0: switching. <laughs> I'm switching. I'm going I'm going over. Okay. I think I think that the projections might have scared me a bit. The uh, has them at ninety-one wins and Pakota has them at ninety-two point nine. But the more I think about it, um the Dodgers definitely have kind of owned them, not in the postseason last year, but in I think the regular season they kind of yep. really Made them feel them like yeah. made them feel like little brother, you know. Dodgers I feel like do not have the same roster uh last year as they do this year. Definitely lost some pieces, definitely brought in some pieces too, but um I just feel like it might not be as lopsided this year in their head-to-head matchups they're gonna have. Um and then I do think that the Padres are gonna be able to, like you said, get more out of Soto, get more out of Tatis. Um anything I have, Tatis is an improvement from last yep. year. Bogart is a big signing. You know, they lost guys like Drury and Bell who were big in the playoffs, but I do think that um, they have depth, um, like we covered in past episodes. They went out there and signed – they signed two two DHs pretty much. They signed Nelson Cruz and they signed uh, Matt Carpenter. So, you know, I could see them – the other good thing about betting on an over for a team like this is if they are in some sort of race with the Dodgers, they'll go make a trade deadline move, right? Yes. They're going to be aggressive. Yes. So, um, what we see now might even be improved on halfway through the year. So I'll go ahead and say over for I'll, that. Reason. Also, if
1: pitchers are hurt, you got guys like Seth Lugo, you got guys like Michael Waka who will slide right in and could fill some of those voids. You know, I know those guys should be in the, in the rotation. At least Michael Waka should be in that rotation, but, um, you just have so many backup options. I feel yes. like with this Padres team that you could, you know, you could make make a switch here or there, and and, and things would just be just fine. So um, I am over as well. I think that they could be a medium to high ninety win team. The Padres. I know a lot of people are right now are saying it's it's their division right now because the Dodgers did not make any moves um this off season and it just it's proving now that the Padres should win the division this year but like we say uh with the 162 games Alex it, it's 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 a huge sample size and, and and crazy things can can happen in that in that sort of range but moving on to the next team we'll move on to the Dodgers of course 111 wins Alex Alex are you, are you gonna would you bet that the Dodgers would um be under 110 wins this year
0: they're going over
1: 120. <laughs> 120. 111 wins uh for the dodgers last year i mean we can say like we mentioned with baltimore there was a lot of luck involved there was a lot of luck with the dodgers last year i mean 111 wins they were a good team they were a great team um i think we even looked at some of their pitching numbers that it was just like historically good and also some of their hitting numbers it was also historically good um I, I I definitely feel that They had a lot of uh, a lot of luck involved in that in that season, which I think 111 wins you, you kind of got to.
0: Yeah, that's exactly the the correct the correct point in my mind is you have to have luck to get that many wins. They completely earned um, their seed in the playoffs. They completely earned. I mean their. Their process has been so good. They develop pitchers so well. They tweak hitters to be better when they come to the Dodgers so well that they completely earn that kind of legendary status sort of in the National League at the moment. But I do agree. 111 wins does not just happen um, when a good team has a good year. It definitely takes, you know, I mean, they had, they had injury issues. They had a bad bell injury year. It didn't matter. Everything kept bouncing yep. kind of their way. Uh, I think the true level of what they were able to do last year probably close to like a hundred and like one yeah. win team, yeah. Maybe Which though. was
1: the the next uh, best team in the National League, hundred and one wins for the Braves and the Mets. So you, you, it, it's just funny if you told any Braves or Mets fan you'd win a hundred and a one hundred and one games. If you told a Mets fan you're going to win hundred and one games um you're losing the wild you're, card you're, you're you're basically thinking to yourself we easily have the two seed locked up we're going to win the division we possibly even have the best seed available in the national league no you have the wild card game and you are losing to the san diego padres but um again also you told the padres you're going to win 89 games this year you're thinking okay cool that 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 probably is a wild card could be a division no you're 22 22 games back yeah, up, yeah. of the division right there like you lost the division in early september but anyways Going back, Dodgers, we covered them 111 wins. Right now, Caesars has them slightly over the Padres. The Padres are 93 and a half. They have the Dodgers 94 and a half for the total win total, uh, season win totals. Do do you think the over on that, or do you think the under on that, what what do you say for the Dodgers? If you say the over, they're definitely gonna be going under the 111 wins, so it's kind of a funny, right? Yeah. game you could play yourself right then and there. But yeah.
0: So Pocota has them at a 96 uh, simulated wins, which is more than the Padres have projected. And then Fangraphs has them actually flipped. Fangraphs has San Diego being the better team projected. They have the Dodgers at 87. I'll believe that when I see it. I don't see the Dodger team going anywhere near 87 wins. I'm going to take the over, Travis. I think that personally, I just cannot give a Dodgers under until I see it happen because I think that they have figured out the process. They have figured out how to get the most out of their hitters and pitchers. They're just in terms of development on this other level with maybe teams like the Rays, maybe the Cardinals are kind of in that conversation. The Yankees are pretty good too. But the Dodgers just spend at an unreal level. And they've also found out how to just kind of dominate their division. It kind of feels like and I, I just feel like there's so much to like. Even though the yes many Dodger fans might have preferred preferred a bit uh, bigger splash in the in the off season in the in the free agent market in the trade market I still think they made good additions um I just feel like they're gonna get noah Syndergaard back to throwing 99 miles an hour yep. JD Martinez probably gonna bat 310 this year so you know we'll see I just feel like they just know exactly what they're doing at all times so I'm going to give them the over benefit of the
1: doubt I I'm actually gonna go slightly under <laughs> um and that's I think a huge part is them playing every single team this year i i I know that they they have struggled in the past against like american league teams it's kind of funny i think i looked at their record i mean i looked at the record against some of their other american league west teams um it's it's around i think like 500 i think they definitely still have a winning record but it's it's still nothing like them you know having the padres number you know having the giants number having the diamondbacks and also the rockies to play here and there and you know them just taking advantage of those kind of teams so i surprisingly will say it's going to be the under for 94 and a half but i don't think it's going to be just a huge huge like like i think what what the uh, fan graph said 87 uh wins on the total of the year but um i think this is a year where the the dodgers do take a slight step back but again I I would almost be looking at that as I'm going to be wrong <laughs> because they always seem to overperform or at least get the job done no matter, you know, no matter no matter the roster of the players they do have. On paper, it definitely is kind of... I'm not going to say it is a concern, but it definitely looks to be somewhat of a concern when you don't have Freddie Freeman. What it, I mean, w- will he be available opening day? I don't know. But if you do not have him opening day, it is a very... Um, uncharacteristic Dodgers lineup and uncharacteristic Dodgers roster without you know Gavin Lux no Freddie Freeman what's it going to look like you know are are you going to rely on a lot of these prospects to get the job done this year is that going to you know create the team to be a little bit more um, you know uh, inconsistent throughout the season so I, I I will say I think that they take a step back I, I mean I think it's easy to say they're not going to win 111 games this year but I think that they take a little bit of a step back on the over and the under I think they're going to be slightly under the 94 and a half just because um, I think Dave Roberts and I think a lot of these guys are looking for uh, you know a lot of new faces to to deliver and I don't know if that's going to be too much pressure for these guys but um, that covers Los Angeles on that round the last team to cover is going to be the Giants Alex. Uh, last year they were 81 and 81, so a perfect 500 for the Giants. Um they were a team that always just kind of stayed around in that playoff chase hunt. They never really can make the big push late in the season, but uh it was funny, you know, what, what was it? 107 wins in 2020 uh 2021 and now they just go back to 81 wins. So it's it's really interesting to look at how much of how much luck they've had in 2021 with everybody just clicking at the right time during the right season. But 81 wins last year, Alex, right now Caesars has them at 81 and a half. So they have them possibly going up one game. Uh what do you think? 81 and a half for the San Francisco Giants?
0: 81 and a half, I'm going to probably take the under here san francisco on pakoda projections is at 80.8 so very similar and according to fan graphs here if i can find the giants where are you giants there you are 83 i'm gonna take a slight under i feel like that they're a smart well-run team i think they have pretty good development i think that when they bring in like a starting pitcher they know what they're doing i think that like Alex Cobb is someone who they've really turned into. You know, I think he was good with the Angels, and then they kind of almost made it even better somehow. He had some bad luck to start the year last year. I still think he's um, a really solid pitcher. It just feels like when they target guys, they kind of know what they're doing. But I just don't think that they have the depth at all. Like, I think even, Travis, when we heard they got Aaron Judge, which obviously ended up not happening, we were like, oh... They got Aaron Judge. Now they're going to have like this guy in the middle of the order, but it still feels shallow behind him. Not that, not that they, they don't even have him. They have Mitch Hanager, um, Jock Peterson as like probably their three, four hitters. I don't even know what to expect out of the heart of their order. They're losing Brandon Belt, who, albeit he was injured a lot last year and didn't play that much, but I just don't even really know. Um, it definitely feels like a bit of an Island of Misfit Toys thing. They're really gonna have to money ball this thing if they're going to get um, a winning record this yep. year, in my opinion. So we'll see how, 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 they shape up. I I'm, I'm a little bit pessimistic, I guess, on a lot of the pieces that they've added. And, and I think that they're a smart team and, and I, I like, I like um, their kind of philosophy, I think, but the spending has just not been enough. Um, and of course they missed out on Korea and judge, which is just brutal, but I'll, I'll take the under.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go under as well. I, I think that, it's it, just a lot of things have to go right for them to be back at that 500 mark. Um And I, again, I, I, I do like the Hanniger signing. I, I do. I think he also got Conforto um, who could be a nice experiment. But again, I, I just, I'm, I'm a little bit leaning on the uh shallower side of under 500. I think they could be like that 78, 79 win team um for this season. So that's where I'm going to lean on the giants. Uh, I I think it's 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 clear that the National League West will be between the Dodgers and the Padres um, for the division, at least. So uh, I think that's that's one thing that, you know, most people can at least agree on. But moving to the American League West, Alex, we will start off with the exciting Oakland A's. Last year, Alex, they had 60 wins in total on the year Bad news, Caesars has them at 59 and a half.
0: Jeez.
1: <laughs> so they will go under the 60 um, 60 win mark according to Caesars at 59 and a half. What do you say, over or under that? Are they going to be a 60 win team? Are they going to be worse? Are they going to be in the 50s? What, what do you think about this? I I will say it it is a it is it is a dreadful roster.
0: I'll say this I'm taking over. 59 and a half. It seems too low um, to project anyone to be that bad, in my opinion. I think most teams are going to win 60 games by default. Of course, that doesn't always happen that way. Some teams will have some bad luck and lose even more. I'm going to go out and say they're going to benefit from playing other divisions a bit. I think more games against the Central will help them. Um, I think the West has been pretty solid the last couple seasons. And I think that was probably... Pretty brutal for them to face the Mariners, Angels, and Astros so many times. Uh, Texas on the come-up as well. So I think it's better for them to not have a schedule as focused on the AL West. I also think that even though, yes, serious concerns about their roster, they're obviously trying to bottom out and tank a bunch, which, you know, sorry for you A's fans out there. That's definitely brutal. Um, But I will say that I just have... A feeling that they um, are not going to surprise or sneak and be kind of scary. I just think that 50, 50, 59.5 is too disrespectful of a mark. Um, Pacota has them at 64.5 and then Fangraphs has them at 70, which I think 70 is obviously too high. Wow, but
1: 70 I th- wins. I
0: think it's just because they're really conservative because that's still the, the fourth worst of any team in MLB for Fangraphs' um, projections. But... Um,
1: Seventy wins, really? Uh, yeah. So, wow.
0: It, uh, yeah, seventy. Because like the bottom four teams for them are athletics at seventy. Could that
1: be a a, a Caesar's? You know, like bet you, right there. Do you want to bet on that under? Oh, I, I I think I might put my bank account on on that under. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 Moneyball the, <laughs> part three: Taking Travis's money. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Billy Bean profits on Travis's misery. But um, the, the bottom four on fan graphs are Athletics at seventy wins, the Reds at sixty eight, the Nationals at sixty five, and the Rockies at sixty four. So, like, they don't really go down to like the yeah. sixty mark. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Athletics. Um, I will take the over just because fifty nine and a half feels a little too low. Maybe disrespectful a little bit. I mean, I do. I mean, I'll be honest, Travis, the Murphy trade, the oh, Cha- the Chapman yeah. trade, all these trades, we are not happy. We're not happy with the return, right? We do yep. not think that they are really getting that much bang for some of these trades. At the same time, they're a really competent organization. I think that they are going to be able to um oh they also just got JJ Blade for AJ Puck from uh from uh the Miami Marlins. That's but just right. um you know, I think that they are just out there being one of the smarter teams, even though they're spending absolutely no money and trading away all their fan favorites. I still think that they're um, a little too competent to be below sixty. That's mm-hmm. my take.
1: Okay, okay, I'm I'm gonna go under. <laughs> Mad I, man. I, I mean, I I know on paper I'm I'm probably most people would agree with me. I I just again this I think this roster is just I mean I think it's atrocious. I I think when you have like Tony Kemp batting in like you're just you're top three with probably probably cleanup uh with with seth brown you know probably shea Langleyer's. uh you know it's it's gonna be a very concerning lineup i think like what nick allen playing short at least he was playing short last year to to round off the year um stephen voight won't be around um yeah, I, 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 just, I'm, I don't, I mean, again, you, 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 definitely could be right. They could be like a 61 win team, and you're just like, all right, yeah, I got, I, I won that bet, but it, it's, they're, they're, I, I mean, that's why I'm surprised on 70. I, I think 70 is just insane.
0: What if I told um, you they got Jesus Aguilar? What if I told you they got a good
1: got, guy for the AAA Aviators? Yeah.
0: <laughs> what if I told you they got Miss Diaz? Again, would yeah. these names interest
1: you at yeah, all? That would, it would interest me to get point four of a war win
0: they got tyler wade i didn't even know that if that's true
1: i didn't even know that that's a big win
0: that i feel like that's wrong i Um,
1: don't know i don't know what's going on i know last year they had you know a decent frankie montas he was a he had a 3.18 era with them through 19 starts of course they will not have him at all this season yeah um i think they well i mean i know i think paul blackburn was a all-star last year and then the Cole Irving had a had a decent season in the ARA under 4 but um a lot of guys that I just again you're not I'm not the, you know Cole Irving will probably be the opening day starter or Paul Black will be the opening day starter yeah, it's it, it's not it's not very
0: if if you're if you're a Mets fan you're just hoping they did sign uh Shintaro Fujinami uh, of oh, the Japanese right. league that's right. so you're just hoping he is kind of fun and interesting. You're hoping that someone steps up in the bullpen and you're hoping that maybe you would just cross your fingers that either J.J. Blade, Christian Pache, one of these guys breaks out a little bit so you can have something fun to watch. But I I agree with what you're saying. There's just not much to be excited about. It's Ramon Laureano and a bunch of guys who you probably have never heard of, unfortunately. So
1: moving on, we will go to the team that actually had, I think a really exciting, um, offseason they 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 grabbed a lot of big names but that's gonna be the texas rangers last year the texas rangers had 68 total wins this year caesars has them at 81 and a half they have them technically above 500 alex uh 81 and a half We we went over this about one and a half or two months ago we talked about the ceiling with some of these teams they the rangers have a very nice ceiling the floor though is also very low as well if some of these players are unhealthy or just don't pan out to be what they were in 2022 but 81 and a half texas rangers what, what do you think over under so i'm looking at
0: fan graphs here travis 83 they have a mat so that would be an over but Bakota has the under Bakota has them at 78.2 i'm gonna take the under i think that there is um a lot of talent a lot of talent in the division I think that the division is trying to get better across the board, I, outside of the Oakland days, of course. Um, and I think that overall, while the DeGrom signing is something you would take every day of the week. Like we've said, I think he's the ideal piece for like if the Dodgers had got him. It's like, oh, we have this ace. We can kind of, we can almost just pitch him on like every sixth game and like try, or maybe every seventh game and just try to make sure he's healthy for October. He's more of a ceiling raiser. But in terms of like, you know, can he get you 180 innings this year? I would bet, uh, I think that's unlikely. You know, I think that his ability to kind of, He could be a great 4-5 war guy. If he ends up being all of a sudden Cy Young caliber again, it could end up being uh, just an amazing deal. But uh, I still think he's going to be a top-tier pitcher. I just am not uh, sold on the consistency of his um, being an everyday contributor. Uh, And then some of the other additions, you know, I think Seager and Semyon are both very valuable from the the previous offseason. I'm just not... I think, you know, Heaney, there's things to like about that addition, but... I think overall, it's just not. I don't think the additions are quite on the on par with where I expect the Angels and Mariners to be. Um, and someone's got to be, you know, um, an under in this kind of yeah. uh, in this kind of range. So I'm gonna take them as the under for me.
1: I agree too. I, I think you know, you look at 68 wins last year. They got some. They got some good pieces, but is that is that enough to raise them up 14 wins? I, I just don't think so. I think that they could be hovering around that like 68 win mark on the season just just shy of 578 um, uh sorry yeah 78 wins on the season um i i don't know if they are you know truthfully a a team that's going to be over 500 this year I, w- I wouldn't i probably wouldn't bet on them being over 500 i just don't see them having a, a crazy amount of wins added on to uh what they had last year and they had a lot of good luck last year i mean nate nate low um jonah heim they both had you know pretty decently good seasons. Martin Perez had a very good season. Uh, I just don't know if all these guys are going to recontribute that same success in 2023. Um moving on, we will now move on to our team Alex. Uh the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Uh last season, 73 wins. Uh disappointing, of course. This year, Caesars same mark as the rangers 81 and a half it just seems like every year the angels are always hovering around that 500 range will they be slightly over 500 will they be slightly under 500 is always the big question mark is this the year alex they get back on track i i think it's been like i think it's been like 6 or 7 years since they've been over 500 i i believe it is so I have to go back and check I think that. It's but six it, yeah something but like that. It, but it's been a while since they've been over 500 which it, of course is just a big big disappointment when you have you know the two biggest superstars in the game on the same team which again is just incredible how you can't be over 500 with that but um 81 and a half what, what do you think of the angels this year
0: um it's gonna be an over for me okay. I feel free listeners to call out some a bit of a, a fan bias you know that's definitely part of pro- probably part of it but i do think that one They addressed the biggest weakness last year, which was the depth. The position player depth was not acceptable last year. We had the worst OPS from the 629 hitters by a country mile. We frequently saw at-bats in big situations from Andrew Velasquez, from Tyler Wade, um, from Travis, guys who were getting called up from AAA, guys who were getting off the waivers, you know, Jonathan Villar, um, Juan Lagares, guys who really had no business being on MLB, um everyday kind of position and that's where we were and I think the biggest issue was addressed we brought in a lot more depth um made some trades and signings to kind of raise the floor of the team I think that's the biggest issue I know we have the ceiling right I think everyone knows when you have Otani and Trout if things go right they can carry you pretty dang far but um in case there are injuries like of course there always are um I think the Angels now have uh the good backups to um keep the team afloat throughout that kind of stretch but yeah yep um the angels were looking pretty solid last year until a catastrophic losing streak and i think um even after the losing streak like i think if you look at like mid-june onwards they had like a 500 record so it's like yeah. it really just comes down and, and a lot of that's without trial is, is, is part of my point but i do think that um it comes down to keeping you know the squad healthy and i think that there's also this sense of urgency with um We all know Otani will be a free agent next offseason if there's no extension agreed upon. If the Angels aren't able to get an extension, they know this is our chance to make the playoffs with him and try to win him over so he can stay around. If the the Angels are a winning team at the trade deadline, I can almost guarantee you they will make some sort of splash. They will try whatever they can to make some sort of splash because I know that they are looking to... um, they want to have it be their year. Like last year, I feel like the Phillies, it just kind of sparked for them, right? They want that to be them. They want to be the team that kind of comes out of nowhere, gets hot, makes a smart addition, and just uh, goes all the way. So they want to be that frisky team. So I know they will be aggressive at a deadline if they're in that situation. So that makes me even more confident about an over. Um, Pocota does have them at 86, which to me is pretty high. Yeah, And then Fangraphs has them at a 84 so both would be over the caesars uh betting line so that in and of itself makes me feel a bit better about the over they also travis had a pretty unlucky win differential in my opinion um last season i i just i just think there's a lot of ways that this season will most likely Go better than last year's season went um and then on top of it i like our roster even better too so give me your thoughts
1: yeah i think over is uh the best answer and i think that the floor for them has been raised i i think that even if you have so many guys go down with injuries you're still looking at a team that could win you know 78 80 games this season i think when you look at everything going right. I think this team could easily win 90 games. Um, Shocking. I, I actually really like the starting rotation. I mean, we saw Patrick Sandoval deal against Team USA. We've seen Reed Detmer's deal in spring training this year. I'm really Reed, excited Reed, to see Reed. Reed's been so impressive. Um, Shohei Otani's the ace. Uh, you know, Tyler Anderson, great year last year uh i i I believe even he's even though he may have a a worse year this year it's still gonna be a a very viable year if he you know i think as your
0: four starter
1: exactly exactly and then of course you know kind of sifting around for your fifth starter there there could be some you know late season additions if you have to trade for somebody but i think you have a very strong top four right now as for the starting pitching also for the bullpen i really like what we got for their arms down in the pen i think we have a lot of options and then of course in the offense in the lineup um i I really like what we have there i think our our infield situation is really unique uh yes we don't have a you know a clear-cut middle infielder that's just going to be dominant uh it's going to give us you know an ops plus of like 130 to like 150 um you know like some of these other teams have but i think that you may be able to switch guys around drury fletcher urshela uh Hifo, depending on if it's a righty or a lefty pitching I really like that kind of that kind of aspect of it we saw the Rays have so much success with guys being shifted around uh for the matchup between the hitter and the pitcher but uh I I think that 81 and a half is a you know it's a fair mark and I think that over will be uh th- this season for the Angels again I I, I want to say health is going to be a, such a huge factor but I even think with some of the health um, even if we have the same, you know, unfortunate luck with seasons past, I think we're still going to be better off in, in, in the long run when it comes down to all of it. I think a lot of these guys are major league players. Drury's a major league infielder you know Urshela is a major league infielder we're not giving reps to Tyler Wade or or Andrew Velasquez for 80 to 120 games where you know guys should be getting more reps so I like that they can be over this 81 and a half Alex so I'm agreeing with you uh I think that they'll be somewhere in that mid 80 to possibly higher 80 range for them but moving on we'll go to the Seattle Mariners Alex last year the Seattle Mariners 90 wins um you know shocking the world they made the playoffs for the first time since 2001 to end that drought right now Caesars has them at 88 and a half so they have them going down slightly possibly some luck involved with that 90 wins last year but 88 and a half for the Seattle Mariners Alex what what do you think on that one over under
0: I thought this one might be a bit hard I don't think it's that hard. For me it's an easy under. I under. think that I think that's too high. Um yeah. I think if they were at like an 86, 85, I'd be like, "Hmm, that's that's pretty tricky. That's right where I have them." But I think mid 80s is more realistic for them. Um and Pakota does agree. Pakota has them at 81.8. So wow. barely a winning team. Vengus has them at 85, which is probably I think a pretty good sweet spot to kind of anticipate where they could end up. I think that they have a really high ceiling in many ways. If Julio, Julio could be the best player in baseball in two, three years. You know, that's kind of possible in my opinion. I think that he's, is a really special player. Um, I like what they've done with their rotation. I like that they were aggressive and went and got Luis Castillo and then extended him, you know, and even though I think it's bad for the world baseball classic, um, they know he's going to be healthy going into the season because they kept them from competing. Robbie Ray, um, is you know gonna be probably pretty consistent and solid. You'd expect. I think he had a better second half last year than first half. I think he made some adjustments that might work for him. Um, young pitchers coming up. Uh, you know guys like uh, Kirby had a really good year. Uh, great control pitcher. I think the offense is where I have the question marks. I think there's a lot of lack of depth. I think Ty France. Didn't quite develop into a masher first baseman like I was kind of hoping. He's got a pretty good eye and a decent hit tool, but I don't think he um, developed much pop. I think across the diamond, Travis, I'm not seeing you know that many guys besides Julio Rodriguez where I'm like, wow, this guy is going to be the thumper, right? This guy's going to be driving all the runs. Um, if they don't get a leap from Kelnick... Um, or if they don't get an all-star year from Teoscar, I just feel like that there is a lot of shallowness in the middle and the bottom of the batting order. I think that um, – I'm not going to say last year was a fluke or that they were lucky, but I just could see them regressing regressing by a couple wins. Um, and then on top of that, you know, I think that um, other teams might have had more injury bad luck last year than them, and, and I guess I'll, we'll just kind of see what happens. Yeah. They're kind of a rivals Travis, so I'm trying to be as neutral and unbiased as possible. Yep. Um, but I truly think that, you know, they're going to be a fixture of the wild card race, but they're not going to be this commanding team, in my opinion. I think that, you know, we'll get to Houston in a second. But I think Houston and then a gap. And then there's, then there's these other teams.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think 88 and a half is slightly on the higher side. I, I would be following them more into the uh, mid 80 category. So I, I think that they're going to be above 500. I think that that that's something that I'm very clear on, but I don't know if they're going to be towards that 90 win total again. I think they're a good team, but I think that I just, there are some question marks. I will say, I think that, um, we got seasons from guys that, you know, were a little bit of on the luck side. I mean, I don't think, uh, Eugenio Suarez is going to have, um, the that big of a season as he did last year so i I, I'm, i'm gonna lean more on the under for the 88 and a half but uh rounding it out houston astros world series champs 106 wins last year alex i think that almost every single year they're they're consistently in that triple digit win total um they always just feast on any team that they play 106 wins last year of course caesar's being conservative and and you know going with the with the number they feel that they can be best suited for but 96 and a half for houston alex do you think over or under 96 and a half
0: i thought this was going to be an easy under i thought you were going to tell me some high 90s number <laughs> yeah that's actually very tough um i'll start with this fan graphs has them projected at 91 which i think that is Quite wow. low, yeah. but um they're just conservative on both ends. Um they keep the win totals close to even. So
1: so so ninety-one for Astros and seventy for the A's. You're telling me that's a twenty about a twenty-game gap. Yes,
0: sir. You better believe it. Interesting. All right. And then uh <laughs> for Houston for Pakota, they have ninety-five point three. And you said ninety-six and a half. Ninety-six right? and a half. That is tough. I do think. I, I, I'm leaning under let me give me a second to think about it okay. I think verlander leaving is definitely something that might be a bit of an issue McCullers, he didn't contribute much last year because of injuries but I think I heard that he already has like a nagging thing already it's like I just feel so bad for the guy yep. yep but um if he was healthy and like prime like I think that he is as a top contributor so I think there could be a bit of shallowness in the starting rotation um the lineup's gonna thump we all know. Tucker, O'Donnell continue to develop. Um, I'm, I'm big on Bregman, too. I think Pena might regress a bit. It, it's really tough. It's really tough. I'm, I'm just going to take the under. Okay. Um. That th- This is a really hard one. I'm going to take the slight under. I think they win the division. I think they win it kind of comfortably. Um. I think that they... You know, Angels actually did pretty well against them last year. And I think the Mariners also um, were kind of a bit of a threat, too. So I think that... They don't have as much of a command over the division like maybe they have in the last couple of seasons, and then I think playing you know more games. Um, I mean, I mean, I think the AL Central is like might be a bit of a punching bag, but I think that if you look over to the East, more games against them to, um, you know, it could be it could be a bit more of a challenge mm-hmm. on some of those teams. So I don't know. This is probably the hardest one for me of the day, honestly. But I'll, I'll lean slight under, even though I have so much faith in what they're doing over there um maybe a bit step back from last year.
1: I um I'm going to go over I think that they will be close to that 100 win range again. I think that, you know, every year you have, you know, one or two teams that are just at that 100 wins or a little bit higher. Um I think Houston will be that team again. I think that they're going to win the division again, so I I will lean over just because I think the offense is still really really good and I think that uh I I think that they'll they'll still figure things out without Verlander. I know it might be a little bit more tough, but uh, I, I could see a lot of guys just picking up the slack and, and still having, you know, monster years and, and, and good years. Christian Javier, um, you know, I know they still have Urquidy. They also have, um, I think is it Luis Garcia. Uh,
0: right. I, the, he he yeah, fun- Young guys, yeah. Funny note on Luis Garcia, if for those who don't know the name, you probably have, if you've seen him pitch, you definitely know his windup. Oh, he Satrosha. does a step forward, step backwards, hands up, step backwards, forwards. He's doing a dance up there on the mound. He had to obviously ditch that because there's a pitch clock now, right? Thank I, God. I'm pretty sure he can't do that mumbo-jumbo. Maybe – I thought I heard something say that, like, as long as you start the windup, it's fine. But I forget. But I think I saw that he ditched it. But either way, um, I think there's tons of like, like you're saying. The, the batting order could be the best in the American League, especially if Abreu and Brantley, despite their age, continue to kind of thump. Um, I could see them being the best batting order for sure. Um, They have pitchers I like too, Christian Javier, Hunter Brown coming up. So um, they could prove me wrong and be a triple-digit win team for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they're definitely a tough one because um, I – know that this run that they're on won't last forever, right? And I just don't know exactly when it'll when it'll kind of start slowing up. But yeah. you know, the Altuve, Bregman kind of core, I mean it is it's it's aging a bit, right? It's aging a bit. But they, they fill it with young guys, Pena, your Don Tucker. So they shouldn't be that worried. But I just do think at some point, you know, they're gonna have one of these seasons. But um that pretty much wraps up this whole segment, right? That was all the teams. That was all ten teams for the West, yeah. We have now predicted all thirty 30- teams and in we'll
1: MLB. will
0: 30 for 30 yes I, we'll have to go back and uh do a little bit of a mid-season report card and a <laughs> yeah. season, season report card but um travis we uh pretty much have talked about everything we can this week next week travis it'll be more world baseball classic recap we'll have probably know the final result at that point in time uh but there'll be tons to react to on that hopefully more spring training goodness as well but that wraps up this one guys if what you got something to say, Travis?
1: Just saying, two Just, more weeks, folks. Two more weeks, and then we have uh, real baseball. Cannot wait. At our hands. Yeah. It is uh, so good to be almost back. But
0: uh, if you made it this far, we, of course, appreciate you so much. Um, Travis and I are going to spend some time this week figuring out how Instagram reels works so (laughs) we we can hopefully get some more fun content. at you guys coming from different avenues as well? But um, if you made it this far, we appreciate you and we'll talk to you guys next week
1: presented by tool tools podcast. (laughs)